Hello, welcome to episode number 315 of the Applelog Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. This is a bit of a different one this, this week. It's a, it's a sidecast or a co-podcast or whatever you guys want to call it. I did a podcast with my friend Lee McCormick last week, and I am putting my version out this week. And let me tell you, his was way cooler. So if you want to go to Tramps Like Us Puck, go check it out. Regardless, this show is brought to you in part by AIXDSP.com. Get affordable and useful plugins for your digital audio workstation. Get the IC Intuition Compressor. It's a compressor that gives you a clear and intuitive visual display that shows exactly what is happening to your audio at all times. Click the link in the description for more information. If you want to support my work on a monthly basis, go to patreon.com slash Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with my hosting and gas fees. You can cancel anytime. Go buy some merch at the slash shop. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Give it five stars, please. Like and share on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash pod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SimonHead666. Now, like I said, my friend Lee McCormick and I, we kind of go back a long time. I think since, like, he was a little, he's, no, I think since high school. Regardless, we've known each other a very, very long time based out of the Pickering punk rock, indie rock music scene. I helped Lee start his podcast, uh, Tramps Like Us, which is a Bruce Springsteen podcast. He's a good friend, he's a good soul, and he's a great musician. That's what we're doing. We're doing the Beatles Get Back Recap, and I kind of gapped on it when we were doing it, but um, that's what we're going to call this, the Get Back Recap. That's three uh, three episodes, oh, eight hours of of video we watched, and I just finished the second time around, so I'm a little bit more knowledge in it, but it's such a fantastic piece of art that I I really think it was worth getting Disney Plus for. So everybody should just go watch this thing. And then, you know, there might be spoilers uh, like, hey, spoiler alert, the Beatles break up. Okay. Okay. There you go. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Lee McCormick from the uh, Tramps Like Us podcast on the Apolog podcast. And I'm here with Lee McCormick. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the Beatles uh, Get Back. It's the Get Back. Impressions, uh, revelations, favorite (laughs) moments kind of thing. What a great, what a great series. Uh, It was amazing. So let's, uh, before we get into the documentary, let's kind of give a background. What kind of a Beatle fan are you? Obviously, we're bigger than the average fan. Yeah, I'm a lifelong Beatles fan. I appreciate the Beatles, and I I went through every single member of the band as being my favorite. When I was like five years old, I was a Paul McCartney guy. Then I turned into a Ringo. No, it was a Ringo guy, then a Paul guy, then a John, and then later in life, I turned into a George guy. If I would guess your favorites, I would go Paul, George, John, Ringo. Ultimate favorites? Yeah. Uh, If you had to rank them, rank them. Yeah, Yeah, but but the 50-year-old me is a George... Like though the funny thing, I never actually followed George's. I, I, you know, things must pass and all that other stuff that came on later. I followed it, but not as you know, uh, as much as a Paul, because Paul was in the in that limelight. 
sort of in the time. And then there was actually a time where George was actually more popular than all of them at one point, like touring stadiums and, you know. Yeah, when he had Cloud Nine and got yeah. my mind set on you. But the thing was, George, too, is he had like six years in between records and stuff like that. Yeah. He would take <laughs> like half yeah. a decade off. That traveling Wilber- Wilderberry stuff is just, it's, you know, what a great thing you know and how many records came out of that like based on that one record you know yeah, yeah. it helped roy orbison it helped bob it helped tom petty yeah, like everybody tom petty to jeff lynn and they went off on their direction there yeah and that that record is sort of the catalyst of all these other records in the in the late 80s you know but yeah. no I, I you're right i would be a paul guy first because i think paul is obviously the most he writes the best songs, in my opinion. I like John because he has uh, a lot of passion in, in, in sort of like politics in his music. And Ringo's just, it's so funny when you watch this thing. Ringo's just Ringo. He's just sitting there sh- hitting away. Yeah, yeah. But Ringo as a child, you know, Octopus's Garden, mm-hmm. you know. He's the fun one, right? He's the fun one. Yeah. Well, yeah. for me, obviously, Ringo is my favorite. He's one of my favorite musicians in the world. Interesting. I love Ringo. Interesting. And... uh I'd put George after Ringo, and I and John and Paul are kind of tied at, as my least favorites. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and you know my Beatles love kind of ends in like '65, '66 too. I prefer their first four or five albums. Revolver is when it started going downhill. Interesting. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I'm like, a, I'm a, I'm sort of everything post like Suits. Like, you know, Revolver. Well, I am in the minority when yeah. I say that. You know, yeah. Most people like the last four or five records. But I, yeah. like, I don't like Sgt. Pepper. I don't like the ballads. I don't like all the trippy, psychedelic stuff. It took me a long time to get into White Album. Mm-hmm. Like, a long time. Like, I can listen to every song on the White Album now and go, I like this record. But I remember being, like, 10 or 11 listening to White Album. And go, okay, Rocky Raccoon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Happiness is a warm gun. You know, my, my guitar gently weeps. These are songs like, yeah, these are great songs, but there's why are there so many songs? Well, that's not an album for kids. That one. No, it isn't, no. but Rocky Raccoon is a great song yeah. for a kid. It's and like, Obla Dibla Da's on there, you're like, oh, that's absolutely. a fun song, but why is it next to this Dear Prudence thing? Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, there's, and there's also number nine. Oh, that's the, number that's nine. the worst song they've ever done. It's, it's not even a song, really. Call it a song it's an exercise, and it's like, well, we got two records to fill up. What are we going <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge, and you know, and obviously I wasn't born when they finished their last record. It was like, the, you know, I was I was born in 1970, so all of my um, love of the Beatles came from my parents um, since five, age of five, because they gave me all their 45s, and I used to play them on this little record player I got for Christmas, and it would be Beatles, and that's all I had, it was like Beatles and or maybe Buddy Holly and stuff, mm-hmm. but that was the early part of my rock and roll you know, appreciation as a child, you know. Myself and and you were both musicians. Yeah. We worked in the studio. So, I mean, if you're a musician or any kind of fan of music, you got to have an appreciation for the Beatles just for what they yeah. did. You know, the, the the amount of music and the quality they made in like eight years there or whatever. It's just astounding, yeah. right? Yeah. The thing that freaked me out is that they were in their t- late 20s when they wrote Let It Be. Yeah. In... What what it was a twenty something days it was yeah like John turned thirty after the Beatles broke up which yeah. is nuts yeah right? yeah all right so we're gonna you know dissect this get back documentary try my best first of all the album let it be what do you think of the album I think the album's great I mean obviously it's um it's a bit of a victory lap you know what I mean like it's sort of like 
to me, the whole idea of why they did the record in a short period of time tells me that they were somehow contractually having to do something to, to do it. And during the whole time while they're recording, they're talking about their it's their last record. Like, they already knew that it was kind of being, like, they're well, rounding was, a corner. There was tension, right? And they were all, yeah. they were always like, uh, this is when are we yeah. going to get a divorce? They mentioned getting a divorce a few times in yeah. the documentary. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea of that record um, coming out, like, Abbey Road's a great record, you know, obviously, but... Um, you know, when you sort of listen to, you know, Let It Be, it's pretty, pretty, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Cohesive. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, Sgt. Pepper's or White Album, where you hear like all sorts of weird shit happening. They obviously got back to their roots. They wanted to do something where they were playing with no overdubs. Overdubs live. Get and, rid of George Martin for a little while. And meanwhile, you know, Phil Spector goes and fucks it up somehow. Well, that's the thing I was going to mention with this Let It Be. There's so many different versions of this record. You know, what they recorded didn't come out. I mean, mm. They put Get Back in uh, Don't Let Me Down as a single in 69. Yeah. They break up and then Phil Spector takes it and he puts all these strings and stuff on yeah. it. And I didn't like that record. I don't even own that one. Yeah. The one I love is the Let It Be Naked. I was just going to say that because I got out, that yeah. for Christmas when it like first came out. 2002. That you know, it came out around the time of Phil Spector raped or killed that person, right? So yeah. so, so he is was going doing time for murder and that it was perfect timing that Let It Be Naked came out with different versions of Let It Be Different third verse. Like, fuck your let it be, Phil Spector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it basically what they were doing was a thumb in the eye. Because yeah. they didn't never like the finished result of that album. It's documented how much they thought it was overdone. Paul wrote a letter to, was it EMI or George Martin? He said something like, it was a very nicely written, but it was just like, don't you ever put strings on any of my compositions without telling me. Yeah. <laughs> it was like... <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Long and Winding Road without strings? I mean... That's, I don't like that song. It's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's the. I mean, that's the thing I like about this is that we have different points of view, mm. and but but on the same record. And I listen. Like, to, I love one after nine oh nine. Oh yeah, because that's <laughs> that's one of their early early yeah. Quarrymen songs. Yeah, I just it? love that. And then like long and winding road. I'm just like oh fucking yeah. Paul Ballad. Uh, he's like 28 and he's writing songs for his grandmother. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he say we're writing songs for geriatrics or something with yeah. Jerry old geriatrics? We, we could still rock. Yeah. Well. yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. What about the film, Let It Be, the original version? Do you, have you ever seen that? I have not seen the original, and the only thing I've heard seen from it is when uh, the the Imagine um, a doc came out on John Lennon after he died, and they show some of that. Yeah, in the anthology, too, they show a lot of clips. Yeah. Cause, you know, the big scene where George and Paul are having that little row. About, yeah, I'll do what you want, I'll play, or I'll, I'll do nothing. Play, or I won't play. I just want to make you happy. Yeah. And that's part of, yeah, that's in there. But the other thing, my parents have the book. The picture book, the Let It Be, with transcript, transcriptions of their conversations. And there's a very funny mistake in the book that says, we can record this in a lake. But really, he said, in L.A. Oh, yeah. But when you read the... I don't, it stuck with me forever when I'm like... And he said it, actually said it in the documentary. We can record this in L.A. And then they just transcribed it as a lake. <laughs> like It's like... Some, yeah. Well, there's a thing, too. When they're making that documentary, they're recording everything. And, and uh, what's the guy's name again? Michael... Lynn Hogg, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. He's trying, Lindsay. Okay, yeah, like Michael Lindsay Hogg. Yeah. He's trying to get all this footage, and he's, so he's got like microphones everywhere, and he's trying to get their candid conversation. So there's moments where like John would just be talking to Paul, and he'd be strumming his guitar because he didn't want people to kind of hear these conversations. Yes, yeah, So yeah. there's all this kind of uh, background yeah. noise, but with this documentary, Peter Jackson with this... With this AI technology, he's able to isolate yes. John's voice and take it out, and Paul, and you're able to get these conversations yeah. without the background. And they used, like, they actually, I like the fact that there's obviously some trickery 
with with images because the mouths are moving but they're not saying exactly the words he's taking snippets to make sure it's interesting but usually it's just like when you see it go back to say paul it's actually the part of it you know where he they could just keep it on that one shot but i guess they figured let's make it into a multi-camera there's probably what 11 cameras or something in the room because they had 150 hours of audio footage, I think, yeah. and only 60 hours of video. video. So yeah. matching that up is is, a, is trick, tricky because you might have some audio you want to use, but there's no images. Yeah. So what he would do is he would take directorial liberties yeah. to like, yeah. you know, move it around. But he says that. There's the, the, they make they, that in they very, make very that clear. clear. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't always match. We've done our best to, you know. Yeah. It's about the experience. It's about the experience. One thing my son noticed actually watching is that there's a cigarette smoke. It's going backwards at one point. Mm. When you look at it, it's like, why is it going backwards? And we rewound it. It's like, it's like, the smoke's going back into the cigarette. I must have missed that. I'm like, why is? Why would they do that? I mean, it's and it was just a tight shot. It wasn't just a quick. It was a quick. It had nothing to do with anything. But we're like. Is that something for someone to catch, or is that like was that done on purpose? Like obviously, obviously a mistake. But it was, second, when the Blu-ray comes out, maybe one of maybe, Peter Jackson will caught, catch that and he'll make a little fix. <laughs> Apparently, he was like editing like a week before it was yeah, released. Yeah, that's the other thing to mention too is like I have the 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 bootleg of the Let It Be film. You know, that's like eighty minutes, and I think Peter Jackson's original vision is he wanted to make this released in the theater, yeah. so it would have been like a two-hour cut or something like yeah. that. And because of the pandemic, he had a couple of years to work some yep. more on this and you realize okay it's not going to come in the theater let's yeah. do a home release and we can make it eight hours long yeah. Hour. yeah i remember seeing like a trailer it was a 2000 late 2019 or late 18 or early 19 yeah. and he's sitting there in the with the guy in the edit bay and they give just a taste of it and i swear to god like i was tears were coming out of my eyes i was like <laughs> oh my god because it looked so clean it looked so good it looked brand new and um you know, my wife Spring was talking, we were talking, watching it and going, I've never seen Paul McCartney perform. You know, you think about that, you know, being in our age, we never got to see it like a concert. You can see it on TV, but it seems like when he's there, like in the room and he's feeling the music, you're like, that's such a rare Well, it's an interesting thing. thing. You've never seen any kind of footage like this. Oh, my God. Part one is, is uh, kind of starts with this kind of intro timeline, which I thought, I thought was cool because, you know, it catches you up from like 56, 57 when John yeah. and Paul met right up to the, the January 69th. They do it in like two minutes or something. Or it's like, it's probably like 10 minutes. Yeah, but, but it feels like. Yeah. It's, but it's neat because the frame widens as yeah. the years go by. So by the time it starts out, you got like a little square. By the time you get to the 68, it's like you're full widescreen, mm-hmm. right? I've watched this twice now. I tried, time, to twice. Yeah. I tried to do it twice. <laughs> so, I mean, it's only been out for seven days. So, yeah. I've, so every night I've watched, like, you know, part one, two, three, and then I watched yeah. it again, part one, two, three. This is your Star Wars. <laughs> yes. And I'm not even a big Beatles fan, but I was just yeah. so enthralled with this. And it, it was, yeah. it was such an emotional. Mesmerizing. It was emotional at some points, too, yeah. because the, because it's so long, too. It takes you on this journey. And, it, yeah. and you know, you have to sit there with them as they go through these things. And you're like, oh, it takes a lot of work to get this stuff done. And it's a, it's a task to yeah. watch it. You, you know? fall, Yeah, they're taking you along for a ride. And whether or not you want to go on the ride, you're on the ride. And I love the fact, you know, and when you say that, it makes me think, like, if it was any other band, riding around smoking cigarettes, eating toast and drinking tea, it'd be like, yeah, okay, guys, get cut to the point. But you're like, everything they do is like... Ugh. You imagine they found footage of, like, say, Elvis in the studio or something, like, or something. Like, no, it's just it's incredible. It's stuff, right? mo- it's the most momentous thing. I've, there's there's moments in there, and we'll probably hit on it. But there's moments where you're like, you will never see anything like that in that fashion. Being all those cameras running film, by the way, 
running film like, and that's like a, what did they call it? it was like how much per foot they said it was so well, it's expensive right they're running 16 millimeter there's a part where they say we should have done this in 32 or 35 35 like a, and then george is like george is always the tight wall yeah. the money he's like oh we it's too expensive or we did we still haven't paid for the magical mystery tour yeah yet, and it's like it's something like eight pounds a foot or some eight shillings a foot he said that's what it costs and I was like, "It's the bloody Beatles, man." Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I loved Mal Evans, the roadie. Yeah, oh that Wasn't guy. He great? He's like a character on a Pixar movie. Oh, he's so he looks cool. like and he's like hitting that bang bang. Oh, he, yeah, there's one part that uh, Paul sends a boat for. Can we get an anvil and a hammer for Maxwell? And he so does. <laughs> and he's so proud of himself. He's like ding ding. And he's looking up like. He, it was like it's yeah. like yeah he looks like he should be in an up in the movie up or something like yeah. he's like a cartoon character like buddy holly glasses and, he's and like, i love the dude he's the roadie that or the road manager that comes dressed with like a suit like a tie like yeah. you know those days are gone but he's he's dropping acid with them too there's, oh yeah there's yeah. one scene where he's fucking playing tambourine on a, a chuck berry hill hill rock and roll yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's just he just looks gacked out yeah he's yeah tongue sticking out. <laughs> now check me if i'm wrong but isn't he the guy that counts out day in the life where it's like one, two, you Maybe. can, I think exactly. now someone it's might want to fa- yeah, fact check a, that, but I heard it was like their road manager that was counting out while in the session, while in the studio doing, yeah, but we're not here for Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. Here for the other thing about Mal too was, uh, you know, as John's coming up with a song, Mal's there writing, writing the note, yeah. Writing the lyrics down. Yeah, he's he, the lyric. Yeah, he's actually saying like maybe you should change this word to this, and then yeah. John's like, "Oh, that's good. That's good." But the other thing too, there's a moment there where he goes, "Everybody had a hard year. Everybody saw, you know, had a wet dream." And he's talking about foot down, socks up, and I'm like, "That's so poetic." And it says nothing. It's so yeah, so poetic. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. also uh, a lot of fur coats going on. A lot of fur. <laughs> Rich wankers, right? The was Beatles. it Glenn? Glenn's like Glenn he's Johns, got he's got this big fucking I don't know what they call that the big white I don't know ostrich fur or something <laughs> like that. Ringo's got a gray one. Yeah, John's got that raggedy brown one that looks like your yeah, grandma's, a lot your of grandma's fur. from nineteen forty. Yeah, uh, <laughs> George's got that big black gorilla one. Yeah, it's like is that real fur? Like what's that from? Yoko's got a fur coat too. Right? Yeah, it's kind of pompous, right? Yeah, <laughs> they, you can get away with it today. You'd probably get blood thrown at you. But there's like a yeah. I was wondering what George's material was if it was like bear or like you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the the you know I don't know just like weird animal whatever it was. So they start off the concept is they're going to kind of record themselves writing songs and it's going to turn into this concert film kind of thing, right? Yeah. So and they had this, fourteen days to do it yeah, or something. They're at Twickenham Studios and uh, this is where they recorded uh, you know the Hey Jude and yeah. Revolution videos. That's where yeah. they did that and they had that audience there and they got the idea. Let's try and do a whole album like that. Yeah. So to do that, they got to be out by a certain date because Ringo's got a... He's got a movie with Peter Sellers. (laughs) Magic Christian or whatever. (laughs) Big box office drop. So they show up. They're like, morning, happy new year. Happy, hi, little Ringo. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's great. And they start getting settled up, trying to, you know, get their groove going. And there's, you know, George's got a Harry Krishna over in the corner. Yeah, hanging out. (laughs) His buddy. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't be allowed to my... uh, I like the fact they're setting up the drum uh, riser. It's just like a piece of old shit, wood and... And he's like, just laying it down, like yeah. it's going here. <laughs> and Ringo's got a new drum kit. Well, new to, new to our eyes. I, apparently, this kit was used on the on the White Album, but wow. you know, I don't think there's any like film footage of that, obviously. But he's got this uh, Ludwig five piece kit. He's got an extra tom, which I don't like. I don't really like this kit. Yeah, and it's it's natural finish, natural maple finish. And the deal with this is, I think uh, the Maharishi was talking about, you know, removing paint 
off items because it'll be more natural. So you see, John's got that Epiphone Casino. Yeah, because he stripped that. He that stripped was, that, yeah. yeah. And it was because of that reason. So Ringo's, I didn't know that. Yeah, no. so Ringo's like, yeah, I'm going to get a drunk kid like that too. Right? I know he stripped it because it's one of his early... Casino, like, Epiphone casinos. Ep- Epiphones, yeah. yeah. What I noticed about that is that dr- you look at the drum heads. They're the same drum heads that ended up on the roof at the end of the night. It's the same... Well, they don't change drum heads. No, they don't put mics on them. <laughs> but that kid is whack, man. Like, he's got two, he's got his kick drum there, and he's yeah. got two toms on a stand, okay? Now, the yeah. stand is in front of the kick drum. So his toms are now, like, an extra foot away from where they used to be. Yeah, And his yeah. cymbals are just at this... They're not at... They're weird angles. And he's got this dinky little splash cymbal over on the right side. Yeah, everything's and, got a rag on Like, that looks well, like... Yeah, he's dampening it with towels, right? Towels. Towels on the... And it I mean, works for some songs, but I don't like that in general. Yeah, know? like, when they got to the basement... Well, we can, well, when they got to the basement, it was like... Even then, it was like, yeah, man, let's make the drums a little live. Like, more live, you know? You know, and yeah, in hindsight, when you look at it, when they record it, well, we can come back to it, but it's like, there's a lot of consistency in that kit, even though it went from three different locations and you listen to it. Well, like, that, that's the thing. The drum sounds so good. Every, yeah. every Beatles recording, I don't know what it is. Engineers, like, but they just, the drum sounds so good the way Ringo hits those. Yeah. But Minimal the, mics, like two. Yeah, overhead mics, yeah. snare and a kick probably. Maybe. Maybe even that. I think it was just even a kick and an overhead with like when they were doing their albums. Watching this too, I was able to pause and just look at a, a frame. Right? I couldn't do that; I wasn't allowed. Because right, you were watching it with somebody. That's the benefits of being a bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> I could pause Ringo's drum kit and just stare at it for five minutes. Because I saw there was these. He had these little like rectangular stickers on his toms. I never seen that before. Interesting. So I, I paused it, zoom in on that right, and yeah. it's a it's a Drum City Limited, which is the store where you got the kit from. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, yeah. Drum City Limited is a drum store in. London, yeah. and that's where he bought his first, uh, his 63 Ludwig kit, the Black Oyster Pearl one. Yeah, he yeah. He went with George Martin there to get a new quality drum kit, and that's where he got. Wow. So that's interesting. That's right? a really good part of piece of trivia, man. I yeah. never would have picked up on that. So this whole movie, like, if it was two and a half hours, it took me four hours to watch, because yeah. I was constantly <laughs> rewinding, pausing, you know, going back. <laughs> I was trying to get, because I have two, I have a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old, and, and Everett, the 18-year-old, came down and watched, like, part of it. And it's it's in, an interesting concept of watching an eighteen year old watch this yeah. because it's slow. It's a little. It you kind of need to be like first time Spring actually watched something over two hours without falling asleep. Her dad was the biggest Beatle fan ever on earth, so she was sort of watching it, sort of in sort your eyes, honoring her father. Yeah. My dad who likes passed. this. I better see what what the whole yeah. Is. yeah but trying cool. to get my fifteen year old to like, hey, watch this. She's like, well, this is garbage. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, I'm not gonna. <laughs> you, but I'm going to disagree with you. It's not garbage. Well, I've seen a lot of comments from people that are saying, oh, it's too long. It's yeah. fucking boring. What was and it? I'm Justin like, uh, from Do Make Say Think. Justin, uh, Justin uh, Small. Justin Small, yeah. He was cranky about it, and I'm like, hey, man, watching watching an iconic song get written on the spot is pretty awesome. I'm shocked that he would say that, because yeah. it's like, this, this movie is not for casual fans. Yeah. You know, yeah. go watch your eight days a week Ron Howard film. Like this yeah. is for hardcore fans and musicians that yeah. want to see this. Like I want to be a fly on the wall and see every. Yeah, I want to see the other oh, me fifty too. hours of footage. Like me too. There was so much great shit in this. What else was there that we didn't get? You know. Yeah. Apparently, know. the Blu-ray is gonna have like four hours extra oh, shit. <laughs> that's amazing. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing, everybody's fucking smoking constantly. Smoking like, cigarettes. I'm craving a cigarette so much the last six days. I don't even smoke. I smoked for a week in like grade 10. But I've been craving a cigarette because it just looks so everybody's cool. Everybody's smoking right? cigarettes. They and always eating. want a ciggy, man. 
Eating, Mal, can you go get some ciggies? Go get some ciggies, eating tea, eating toast and drinking tea. There was an interesting thing. Like that whole idea, I love the fact they had a certain amount of time to do what they had to do, yet they took the first weekend off. Well, <laughs> Came back on Monday. That's the other thing, too. They were they, This is a whole new way of recording for them, because they always used to record at night. Yeah, wanted, we're on the day it. shift now. But I think now I that they got a film crew and they're trying to make something, they got like a regular yeah. working hours, even though like their morning starts at like 11. Yeah, but the weekend off. But they like they were on a tight off. deadline to write a record, 14 songs. They had to have 14 songs ready by the end but of the... But you got to think that there's there's still a lot of tension there and John's got Yoko and he doesn't want to be married to the Beatles 24-7 anymore. The one thing I noticed... Paul's trying to massage all this and try and make it work. You but know? Paul... Paul's acceptance of Yoko, because he does say it in the episode, you know, he if if John's happy with Yoko, then I'm happy that John's happy. Like I'm paraphrasing, but but the fact, you know, because you think, oh, your history did not that that relationship took a long time to even just get back together based on business. Well, you know, he'd only known her for probably about a year at that yeah, point. She did but, some shit later. That oh yeah, for sure. His but you think, of, but you know, if you look at his, he's cr- cracking, he's jamming with Yoko. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. he's like, ah, and she's doing her thing. When she's doing the freak outs, yeah. That didn't help when uh, my daughter came down in the middle of that. It's like, what is going on? <laughs> it's part of the process. Don't it's worry. part of the process. They're all high on acid. <laughs> Don't, you know. Yeah. One of my favorite lines is when they're talking about the uh, the concept of doing this live show, and they want to get on this boat, and they want to go to fucking Africa. Oh, yeah, northern Africa, in somewhere, yeah. yeah. And Ringo's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going abroad. And then Paul McCartney goes, awesome, Jimmy Nickel might go abroad. <laughs> He's the, he's the guy that replaced Ringo when he got sick. Oh, really? And, yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah, yeah, got yeah. sick for a couple of weeks there in a tour in 64, and this guy Jimmy Nichols subbed for like... We got a guy. A couple we weeks. Got a guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fucking funny Yeah, guy. yeah. Well, I mean, the interesting thing, if you think, the concept of that, that whole... Sh- like, they're talking about, like, we got to get in trouble. we got to get physically ejected. we got to play... That's amazing, too, because Paul kind of... You know, he has this premonition, or he, what's the word? Not premonition, but he... He, uh, he says something and then it happens later. Yeah. Like he's actually saying, wouldn't it be cool if we were playing and they kind of dragged us off as we're still playing? Yeah. That's it was, what fucking happens. Yeah, it's exactly what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a moment when I'm watching it, but I think this wasn't until the third episode, but we can get to it, yeah. where Glenn is telling him, he's pointing up. Oh, that's and he's, amazing. And you see like Paul going, yeah. You know, his face is like, he's saying things like, that's amazing. Let's... You know, but I, I well, think that we're scene's cool because they don't have audio of it, but they just show a shot of like, and uh, you know what's happening. You know, he's uh, Michael pulled. Lindsay Hogg, and they bend down, and you see Paul, and it, sl- it slows down, and Paul's face just kind of lights up, and he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, he was, <laughs> and he's po- yeah. The thing I guess is like he's pointing up, and he's like, they, the roof, he goes, they oh, slow it down a little yeah. bit, and they're like, oh, oh. yeah, that was such a that's a, such a climax in part three. We'll yeah, get to it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the gear I loved looking at, like the amps. No, yeah. The boxes are all gone. They got Fender now. Yeah, yeah. All there's Fender's a basement amps. in there, and uh, the cool thing. See the the Fender uh, Paul's basement amp has a basement sticker on it. Yes, and, and his bass does he too. Takes the sticker off the ba- off the amp. Yeah, and he puts it on his bass. Oh, guitar. I thought it was two stickers. Okay, because they show the the later that the amp doesn't have that sticker anymore. Oh, okay, you so caught Paul that. took it from the amp and put it on his basement. Bass. Yeah, cool. and I think <laughs> that blonde one that John was playing through that was also a basement though. I think, but it was a blonde. A basement that uh, I've seen in person. Every, no, I don't think I've seen a cabinet, but I've seen a blonde basement head in person before. The PA speakers, they had those cylinder rectangular PA speakers. Yeah, and that was, you know, they have a whole other thing about, like, no headphones. Like, we just amplify the room. You're a, you're a uh, producer, recording engineer. I don't know how. That must be such a fucking nightmare. It was, to me, the, what they're capturing. You're just capturing a live band playing yeah, live yeah. in the studio, rather yeah. than. 
Yeah. And it, in the mics... No overdubs, guys. We can't go back and separate any of this we shit. We can't so, do anything. Yeah. yeah, and that was sort of the premise of the whole thing. Now, I don't think they played with headphones even previous to that. I think I've seen old Abbey Road shots where they're just playing in a room. Really? And it's like... They're all like tight with each other. The funny thing about Studio Two, like or at at Abbey Road, it's it's fucking massive. Yeah, it's huge. Right? But but they're all like within six feet of each other in this little in this in this little circle, you know, doing. Then that's kind of how they set well, up. It's a that. whole different uh, recording. Yeah, concept, right? Four track and eight track. And yeah, and then what I heard is that um, they did have an eight track studio for that. I always thought it was a four track. But it was George. And now, here's the question. For, for this? Yeah. But it be, yeah, well, George, it was George. There's a scene where they're talking about Here, it. My eight track. Yeah, my, my George is like, I can bring mine, but it's fucking, it's 10,000 quid or something like yeah. that. He says, right? Yeah. Like, EMI should fucking be paying for yeah. this, right? Yeah. And they backs the truck up. He goes, ah, my studio's here. <laughs> and I think that's what they used in the basement at Savile Road, too, I think. I think that's the same studio because I, I see the eight track machine. I'm like, that's the same one that rolled off the back of that truck when they were at Twicken. Interesting. I yeah. That. Yeah. You know, the one thing about this, which is cool, is you see them jamming all these songs that didn't make it to the album. And old songs, too. Old songs. They're trying to write the album, and they, they, John's got, like, two songs. Yeah. Because he's hanging out with Yoko and doing heroin. Yeah. Right? Paul's got, like, ten songs. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, the White Album was three months ago. Yeah. And now Paul's got, like, another dozen songs that are, like... Yeah. <laughs> and I think he must go home and write one and come in with one, you know, because there's well, moments... Well, this thing you would see, they would, they would go home at night and they'd write a song, come back, or go for home for the weekend, come yeah, you know. with more songs. And, and George was reluctant to play his songs because you said they were too slow. But then wrote, f- obviously, f- uh, For Your Blue during that time. There's a part of Ringo at the piano with Paul, and he's like, I got a song I wrote called Taking a Trip to Carolina. That's such a great song. <laughs> yeah, it's so right? funny. Never, yeah, there's yeah. a clip on that on the, uh, the Let It Be Naked has a second it's disc a f- with a fly on the wall, and there's yeah. like a little clip of all these audio. Yeah, I've heard all that. those clips. I was just listening to that a couple of days ago because it was on Spotify. And I was listening to Let It Be Naked because I thought, what a great thumb on the eye to Phil Spector to put a record like that out. But yeah, but that's where I heard most of those sound bites are also in there from the from the album. Well, that was the thing, the seeing, hearing the sound bites for all these years, and I've heard of some bootlegs and stuff too, and now seeing the actual visual, yeah. oh, you're like, oh my God, that's fine. Because <laughs> yeah. when you hear it for you know decades, and you, have, you see the visual, you're like, wow, it actually happened. Yeah. It, becomes real you know? yeah absolutely like you put yeah tangible you, it's tangible yeah. yeah and i'm sure peter jackson was playing off that like yeah. he played some famous ones that whole like obviously the one where like tell me what to play or oh, don't play i won't i yeah, will yeah. play or don't play that whole thing is like an iconic moment of like where the beatles kind of did kind of like he break you know what i mean like, there's a part in that too because i've seen it on the let it be uh bootleg original film or whatever and there's a part in the middle of that where Paul kind of just gets up. He gets fr- so frustrated because he's like, "I don't want to be the boss, but I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm being a dick, telling yeah. you what to do. But yeah, you know, we got to get this done." And that made the movie. Yeah, and then yeah. Paul gets frustrated. He gets up. And he it's almost like he wants to walk away, but he, you know, John's like, "Oh, John says something to him, like, oh, settle down, buddy." And yeah, you know, Paul gets a piece of gum. There's a lot of gum going on. Too. Yeah, a lot of gum. A lot of cigarettes and gum. You got cigarettes <laughs> and gum. You got to chase it with some gum, right? So Paul gets yeah. a stick of gum and he sits back down. And then he composes himself, and they have that conversation. Yeah, and then it's fine. And then they, yeah. they start working again. So it's not yeah. really a big deal as it was made out to be. Well, John piece, stuck but... the daggers in a few times because Paul's like trying to say, guys, we got to get this arrangement figured out. And then John be like, let's just improvise. And he's saying that. He's not saying because he means it. He says it because he knows it gets Paul worked up. Little, yeah. He knows the buttons. Well, I made a few comments to some friends after watching part one. And I said, man. It's amazing to see the dynamic between them all. How Ringo is just kind of Ringo up on his perch. They're just kind of looking down like, yeah. 
can we play something now? Yeah, George yeah. is fucking frustrated because he's he has all these songs and he's looking at John and Paul who have this relationship and he can't get his songs out there. And yeah. when he tries to get a song out there, they shoot him down or stuff yeah. like that, right? John is like hung over every day. He's on heroin. Yeah. He's with Yoko. So he's quiet during these this first part. Yeah. Paul's like the taskmaster. You know, yeah. the, the subsequent second and third parts you know john wakes up comes alive when you get to several, yeah. several rows so it's changed my thoughts on him you yeah know? It, the interesting yeah i guess it was all about location because paul wasn't into that location you can hear him clearly say like there's this place sounds like shit i don't know if we can do anything in here uh, it's dead of winter in england it's depressing you got this big warehouse and they were saying sometimes it's really cold they're sometimes all wearing really jackets sometimes it's really hot. Yeah, yeah yeah they're all wearing winter clothes yeah. while in this little in this space uh, I would really appreciate some of the, like, from the front door shots where it shows, like, the director's chair and it shows sort of the set and it shows the stuff in the background. And they obviously threw in some sound design because there's a guy opening a case and it's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that to me was like one of those moments of, like, pure, like, <laughs> this is this is it, you know, this is this is the magic, you know. I love that there's one shot that I, you know, freeze frame. Zoom in on this. There's a shot from Ringo's kit, so you see his toms, and it's a shot of like John's feet, and you see the plate of like toast, with yeah. marmalade, <laughs> some cigarettes. Right? Yeah, well, that's my marmalade, right? Yeah. And I love the the way they have the toast laid out. It's not a plate of toast. Oh, it's, it's like, like a it's row like a rack. Yeah, where you would like like <laughs> yeah. where you would slot like seven inch forty fives. Yeah, but yeah. they have the toast. I've seen those. Like slot. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. Right? So you can deliver it, and the toast doesn't get squashed, yeah. and it's perfectly. We used to have those. I think we had that when I was a kid. But it was like maybe four or five. But it wasn't like a. A big, that, yeah, yeah. Line of... I wonder who catered that. Was there caterers? Because you think yeah. of the studios, they, there's no like restaurant. Like, what do you? You're not. Gonna, there's no Uber. Well, there's there was a cafeteria there, right? Because that's coming up. There's a cafeteria scene at Twickenham. So yes, I know because yeah, that part blew me. Oh, that yeah. blew me away. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of lot of uh, tea cups of tea going on. There's a, a cup of, cup of tea, not cups. A cup of tea. There's a lot of a, smoking. Smoking. Like... They they had some guy delivers these. Uh, these glasses of this like bright yellow drink. I don't know if it's like fruit juice. Oh or yes, I think that's like a cider. Juice and vodka or yeah, something. <laughs> it's like a weird cider or something. Yeah, and there's like those big bottles show up, and you can tell that I love. You know, they kind of didn't play much into the fact that you know there's a there's some drinking going on, partying. George is like, can I, Mal, can I get a white wine, please, or something? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How how amazing because there's also one shot with one of the guys like in the catwalks and he's like leaning in to the into the what's happening looking down looking right. down at the thing you're like oh and maybe that's a photo i saw but it's like holy crap to be a witness to that is nothing short of like it's historic it's his yeah. history you know? well, they, well they they probably knew it was big when it was going on because they were the biggest band in the world but like they didn't know the gravitas it would yeah. have 50 years later people would be drooling over it like we they, <laughs> yeah they knew based on their success that whatever they do is going to have an impact but i yeah i don't think they would well i think they said something they'll be watching this 50 years from now i think there's a quote in this where they're talking about like yeah, yeah. what people would think 50 years from now oh, yeah paul says uh, yeah they're gonna love us in 50 years yeah everybody's gonna love us yeah yeah <laughs> which is true there's uh they go to day three it's funny ringo comes in he's like uh what does he say he's like I won't lie, I'm not good. Because <laughs> he's like fucking hungover or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a few shots where he's got like red eyes. He's not good in the morning. He's falling asleep a few times. There's so. a moment too when they're doing uh, I'm in love for the first time. Yeah. And Paul's trying to go and he's trying to talk and he's just like dun, dun. he's trying. And then it goes like five minutes later and still working on it and he's like 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do it like I do, Paul. Yeah, I'm gonna get through this, but it ends up being dun, 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 dun. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's such I, they never really got into the part on how they wrote that sort of weird guitar bass run thing in that version because I think what how part, what part are you I'm in love for the doom 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 all these parts all these songs have certain parts in it that are like who came up with that part yeah. But if they came, if they, you know, for me it was like, how is because they they're not doing it for most of it until they get to the roof. But yeah. there's like just that that v that f- like you know um yeah I'm I'm nerding out, but that <laughs> to, to sort of like who wrote that you know how did that end up being a part of the song? Yeah, I think it's the same day. John hasn't got there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, George sits on the drum riser. He's got a stack of pillows there. Yeah, that's <laughs> and he and he gets like uh like. Uh, daffodils delivered every uh, bouquet day. Bouquet of flowers. Bouquet yeah. of flowers yeah. every day delivered to him because he needs that. He yeah. likes flowers, right? George is sitting there and Ringo's beside him and they both look either stoned or hungover or wasted or tired, right? And Paul's sitting there with his bass. And this is when he starts... Yeah. He gets the... Uh, the, the idea. For, yeah, get back. He starts like thumping on the A, get, yeah. get back. And he starts... It's, and it's so amazing to see like, you know, George and Ringo just kind of stoned tired just looking at him and paul's just coming up with this brilliant song and when he gets the line the the, me- the melody for yeah. the verse where it's like as soon as he got that melody i was like holy shit there it is yeah it's, he, he gets comes, it he gets it he tries it a few times and all of a sudden he hits it and it's like oh there it is. Yeah. it's brilliant I'm but i don't know where the now. timeline hit on that because he goes jojo was a man who thought he was a woman but he was another man but he that popped out of his face and he goes, but he was another man. And I'm like, that's the moment where I fucking yelled at my family going, this is fucking history. What are you doing? Listen to this. He's writing. Get back. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, millennials. Yeah. But I, what, I, what I found out to be fascinating about his bass playing is he's kind of playing it like a guitar. Yeah, he's like Lemmy. Drumming. The way Lemmy would play chords on the bass. Yeah. Almost like a rhythm guitar. And he had just such a great touch with his with his, with his left hand just yeah. strumming like that. It was like, that's not bass. But it, obviously, he's playing it like a guitar so he can kind of emulate what a guitar is. But he would never really play like that when he was actually doing the song. He was writing it like it was a guitar. That was, I thought that was kind of neat. And they get the chorus. He gets, get back to where you once belong. And as I get it, Ringo starts singing yep. it with him. Get back to get where back. you once <laughs> I can't do a good Ringo yeah. voice, but it's fucking great. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, John arrives. Yeah. And he sits down, takes his coat off, picks up his guitar. And they're already jamming it. And he just picks it up and starts playing along with him. Yeah. Can you imagine John Lennon walking in? Yeah. And the three buddies in your band are working on this new song. And yeah. he sits down. And he's like, okay. That's a good one. We're in A. Okay. I'll play along. And that song's cool because John actually plays all the guitar licks in that song. He yes. Has, he has all the songs. I never right? realized that yeah. until I watched that. The other thing I liked is when he, he comes in at the start. Yeah, so let's get a light. He's, he's kind tapping, of taps it with, instead of a pick, taps it with his string. Yeah. So good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great. A part where they're working on Long and Winding Road and Mal's helping out with the lyrics. He's writing them down. And he actually says something about you know the Wizard of Oz. Right. It's like the Yellow Brick Road kind of thing. And Paul's like, I've never seen that. Oh, I never I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, That's so something. January sixty nine and Paul McCartney's never seen, seen The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Come on. He's <laughs> too busy writing songs. Yeah. There's a moment they're doing I Me Mine. George has got a yes. song, right? And John is kinda like sticking it to him. He's like, What's this fucking waltz shit? Yeah, like, yeah. We're, we're a fucking rock and roll band. Yeah, he's giving him the gears, yeah. which yeah. And then and he grabs Yoko and they start doing this kind of waltz. campy waltz yeah. while he's singing and you can see George is getting pissed. That it's was like, the last song they ever recorded as a band, by the way. 
without John, right? Without John, yeah. yeah. Because and I don't. I heard it was done at Abbey Road, but I think that might be. I think so because I think Across the Universe and I Me Mine weren't part of these sessions, but they were on Let It Be because yeah. they they did they put a new vocal on I Me or they put a new vocal on something. I don't know. I'm getting this all messed. But they up. didn't have they didn't have that I'm on Me Me. That's mine. what it was. Okay, it's coming back to me. Yeah. There was a segment in the Let It Be original film where they they hit that song pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, if, if it's in the film, we better have a version out there. So that's why they wrote, they recorded oh, it. Oh, interesting. So they yeah, can, yeah, yeah. You know, keep the continuity yeah. with the The other thing I noticed with I, film. I Dig a Pony has the, all I want is you. And it happens at the start. But yeah. when you, you can clearly hear the edit on the actual album where they edited that out to go straight into, ah, 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 ah. So it's like, dun, 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 dun. And then yeah. it would go, but then they took it out and put in just dig a pony line. And Who that, makes these decisions? Is that Phil I Spector don't know if that was a Phil Spector mm-hmm. or if that was a them making the decision. Because if you think about it, yeah. they had to mix that record. Maybe it might have just been a note saying get rid of that because it's that would be Phil Spector because yeah because that was on the that's on the get back single yeah. 69, yeah yeah so dig a pony no that's dig a pony that's on what yeah. sorry yeah dig a pony has like this. <clears throat> Yeah, it has that. All I want is you. Is I can think in three times. Mm-hmm. It's in the intro. It's at the end too. But it's like in in the actual album, it only happens in the chorus. They use it as an actual chorus, but they don't. They use it as part of the intro. This is a part of that song when they're back when they're doing "I Me Mine." George or John's making fun of George. George kind of goes like, uh, he "Goes I don't care what you think," because he's got all these songs now, but he can't get them out because right. Lennon McCartney machine, right? Yeah, because they were a team, and he was a team of one. Like he yeah. was the guy. Like he didn't have Ringo on his side. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like they were both out there swinging in the wind, and and John, John and Paul would just be the team that would keep it keep it to you know. But yeah, but I guess when George finally is like. <laughs> Real, I guess I'm quitting the band now. Well, there's <laughs> I'm a, leaving the band. Yeah, that was, that was nuts because I kind of knew he left somewhere in the middle of this these yeah, sessions. Didn't realize didn't, by three day three or I something. I didn't know that. Yeah. So watching it on the second time, going back to that January 10th date, the Friday. Yeah, I was I was watching George the whole day just to see like what is yes what he's yeah. feeling. And they start the morning. They're doing two of us, okay. Mm-hmm. And Paul and John are getting along together, and they're really connecting, singing two of us. Like uh, Paul wrote two of us for Linda. Yeah. But when John and Paul are singing it, it turns into a different thing. It's yeah, these yeah, two yeah. guys singing yeah. about, you know, the relationship together. Yeah. And they, they play off that and they're making faces. And while they're doing that, I'm watching George and George is just sitting there and you can see he's kind of just not into it. He's mm. kind of looking at them. And, and the thing is, though, <laughs> is Paul's getting on George about arrangement. And George is like, well, I don't know what the arrangement is until we work out what the arrangement is. I can't. I'm going to write stuff. He would write stuff, I guess. He used to be writing stuff after the fact. He wasn't, I guess it felt like he wasn't the guy that would just sort of off the cuff. Yeah. He would work out his parts and then be prepared. And I think that was what driving him crazy is that they're like, everything's kind of up in the air to sort of like, and then Paul's like, Paul's expecting him to be in the same, it was kind of bullying him the way I saw it, like during that whole time just mm-hmm. before he left. But he was bullying him. He was saying, no, no, you got to just do this, do this, shut, stop playing for a second. And that was the yeah. moment when he said, stop playing. And you could just see him going, that's yeah. it. I'm done. I'm finished. There's a part earlier on where he says something like they're talking about doing the live show. And he's just like, well, we're not, I don't want you to do any of my songs. Because he's not feeling this vibe. And he doesn't want any of this like half-ass vibe on his songs. He, yeah. Because at the same time, they're jamming these like oldies, these rock and roll classics. Yeah, yeah. Right? And they're just having fun. Like it's sloppy. And, but, and George, at the, on these sessions in Twickenham, 
his guitar playing is shitty. I mean, like, yeah. you're playing, like, these rock and roll 50s songs, and he's playing, like, this wah-wah 60s rock guitar, and it's not good. Yeah. So, you know, I, I thought that was interesting that he said, like, I don't want to play any of my songs live. I don't want you guys fucking my songs. <laughs> <laughs> so he eventually says, uh, I think I'll be leaving the band now. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, right? It's and like, what? John's like, when? And he's like, right now. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't catch this, but he says, like, as he's leaving, he says, see you around the clubs. Yes, that's that was the quote that kept coming back with, like, see you around the clubs. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was, that was a moment to me. It was like, uh, I saw it coming... I didn't, you know, obviously it's sort of like when you watch it on, on a film, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that happened. But when you see how the dynamic, you know, it's just right. And that's something to look for. When, if you watch it again, it's like that whole dynamic of that band at that moment was revolving around Paul. Yeah. And Paul was calling all the shots and he was trying to keep everything together. He was trying because John didn't care. Yeah. John was like, he was like, Yoko, I want to get high tonight. Like, yeah. He didn't, he was there obviously for some sort of payout. He was calling it in. This is his he job. This is his day job. Had some pretty good, he had some good songs to put on there. But the vibe of the band was just so. And when you're in that position, like, you know, I'm not a Paul fan, but when you're in that position, you can't help but come off as a dick when you're telling people what to do. And That's right. You're, you're being the taskmaster. When it's a band, if it's your solo project, it's perfectly yeah. fine. But when you're a band and it's got to be sort semi-equal. Yeah, but if he cared as little as the rest of them, it would just fall That's apart. That's what I'm saying. You need yeah. a guy like that. You need a guy to gonna happen, right? keep the ship sailing in the right direction. And that was what Paul was doing. He was mm-hmm. trying to keep it sailing in the right direction. And it... <laughs> And the fact is, is that John didn't really want to be there. George didn't want to be there. Ring was like, this is great. I get to hang out with my buddies, you know. And and, and Paul was like, well, it, a lot of felt on his shoulders. Yeah. And and check me if I'm wrong, but didn't he, it looked like he was writing Let It Be in Twickenham on the piano. When you're like seeing, he's like writing chords. Maybe Probably, I'm sure, yeah. It might have just been creative editing, or if he wrote it at home and brought it in. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like he was sort of like working his way through Let It Be at the same time. So this episode ends with, you know, George leaving the, the studio at lunch, and then they come back after lunch, and they're like, what are we going to do now? <laughs> so they do the first freakout jam with Yoko on vocals, right? Yeah. And Ringo is fucking just smashing the drums. There's a part where he goes into his Ringo triplets. Yeah. Where he, yeah. And at the end of Long Tall Sally, he goes into this triplet thing between the cymbal and the snares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was cool to see him do go into that lick. Yeah, yeah. That episode ends, part one ends with their saying, they're going to go to see him on Sunday for a meeting. Yes. And it ends saying the meeting did not go well. Didn't go well. <laughs> did not go well. And that's the end of part one. And did, we never saw Linda, Linda, I guess it wasn't Linda McCartney at that time, but did we see her in that first episode? Linda Eastman. I don't know if Linda she showed Eastman. up. She, she was yeah, in I the second. I think she showed up. She might have showed up. I fell in love with her. Like are you, from her, I can't get past "Hey Jude" from whatever year that is. That background, that but if you look at her, you, she's a twenty-five-year-old, just stunning. Like she didn't say anything in the movie, really. You know, she said mm-hmm. a few things. I like the fact actually that Paul called her Yoko, like real uh, flippantly. Like there, there's a, yeah, there's a part where she goes something like, uh, "Oh, it would be cool if you do the, if you go on a boat or if you do it here." And, and Paul's like, "Shut up, Yoko. <laughs> <laughs> Keep quiet, Yoko. Keep quiet, Yoko." But I mean, I her just her presence in that movie. Yeah. I was just I was she's stunning. I was like, I like the fact that they show her taking photographs and yeah. then they show the photograph oh yeah book. yeah that's yeah, cool right? some of the photos ended up in that book that i yeah. have as a, that my parents have yeah 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 even though most of their pictures she's taken a paul like what the fuck yeah that's fine so part two uh goes from january 13th to the 25th there's a great opening right it opens like the band is in turmoil the meeting didn't go well you know monday comes yeah 
Only one member of the band shows up, yeah. and then and then there's she Ringo walking. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, fucking Ringo. <laughs> and he's got a he's got a beer in his hand. He's ready he's like, to work. Morning, morning. <laughs> he's ready to work. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So then Paul shows up later, and this is a great scene where they're just all sitting around, and it's Paul and Ringo. Yeah, and they're just talking about like, what are we doing here? Yeah. John's not here. What's John's? Didn't not flowers up? show up for? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> this guy, I have flowers from Mr. Harrison, and they, they all, all start they all laughing because yeah. they're all in this like dark mood, and all of a sudden, this is like, yeah. there's flowers from Mr. Harrison. They go, ah, that was... like, I'll take them. I'll take them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're talking, and it's there's a one scene which is great where you know Paul goes, and then there were two, hmm. and I don't know who was filming this. Hold the camera on Paul. For about 50 seconds. Mm. And you just see Paul go, and then there were two. And you see his emotions. His yes. eyes get glassy. Yeah, yeah. And he just kind of looks down. And it's almost like, uh, it's like a death in the family. Like, you just don't know how to deal with it, right? Yeah. You're in this kind of, you're vibrating. You're in this mode of, like, you don't know, like, you're just. Yeah, I think Ringo is welling up a bit, too. I think if you go into Ringo, yeah. they were both, like, just sitting there, just like, dark, what's dark. happening? And yeah. all of a sudden, Mal comes over talks Paul on the shoulder. He goes, what? John's on the phone. You want to talk to him? Paul's like, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> he gets up and he comes back and then the mood is, you know, significantly lighter. And he's like, yeah, John's going to show up. Yeah. So John arrives and this part blew my mind. I didn't know this ever happened. Uh, Paul and John go for a private talk. Yes. And they're in a cat. They go to the cafeteria. They go to the cafeteria and they say there's, the, you know, hidden the, mic. the subtitles come up. Uh, you know, they, they have a hidden mic in a fucking flower How pot. Would in the cafe- How would they know? How would they know? How would they know? They must have had mics everywhere just in case. Just in case. <laughs> and, you know, you think about that. I didn't know that happened either. And when I listen to this, and it's just them and subtitles, and you're like, mm. and they're talking, and it's clear as day. And well, that's probably where the technology came in, where they could take out the clanging dishes yeah. and the other people and just isolate John and Paul's voice and transcribe what they were saying. Yeah. And you know what mics back then? They were pretty big. I was yeah. wondering how big the flower pot was. <laughs> Flower pots were big back then. It was too, a man. big old flower pot, <laughs> yeah. and it was like buzzing and the, like. A <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's great. But they talk about like, yeah, we're always kind of throwing shade at George, but we never give him bandages. I think John says we never yes. like pump him up. We never fix him, kind of thing. Yeah. And Paul's like, yeah, I'm struggling though because you've always been the boss, and now I have to be the boss. And John's like, I'm not the boss. And yeah. Paul's like, You've always been the boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's trying to tell him. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, get with it, buddy. And he was, but John was always the boss. In a, in a sense, he was right. Right? Like, yeah, so that was an amazing scene. Yeah. Right. So then they go back to jamming. One thing I noticed, you notice uh, Paul put those black strings on his yes. bass. Yes. They're like the uh, true sound, roto sound, true bass or something like yeah, that. Black yeah. Black strings. Eh? Yeah, yeah. It was a weird one. And the fact is that he brought the Rickenbacker out maybe once. And I think he said, said something. This is really heavy. It's heavy. Like yeah, yeah. Lighter. Really heavy. But I don't know if it was totally heavy, but I think it was just literally heavy. Right. To have that, that old violin bass back in the fold. The other question I have is, did they make him a left-handed one? Because, of you know, when you look at the, the, asymmet- curve, yeah. uh, the curve on the asymmetrical curve, was that upside down for him, or did they make him one the right way? That's a I question. Would, I would think it's the right way. It never looked yeah. weird to me. I think I we need to actually say that this podcast has spoilers in it, too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're this far and you're like, podcast. I need to watch this, I, w- I would recommend watching it. podcast has spoilers in it, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Just let me know. John shows up and we get a morning Paul, morning Richie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. They won't call him Ringo. Yeah. Yeah. So there's another scene where they're sitting, they're all sitting around in a kind of a semi circle and John is just going off. 
He's hilarious. Right? Yeah. He's doing his like one-liners and shit, just looking deadpan in the camera and just spouting shit. Yeah. Right. And at one point, Peter Sellers shows up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To hang out with uh, Ringo because Ringo, yeah. they're going to do the movie together. Yeah. Right. Twickenham. Studios. And they would basically and it's so awkward. Yeah. And so comfortable. Right. And Peter Sellers is sort of sitting around like, "What the fuck is going this is on the here?" Beatles is supposed to be the Beatles. And yeah. All sad and. <laughs> this guy is fucking whack. John is talking about getting high. Does Peter Seller leaves and he says something like, "Watch out for the needles" or something like that? They'll, they'll tell you that uh, John is stoned or something. Like that. Yes, they leave needles around because yeah, you know, yeah. And throughout the whole thing, John, yeah. they're reading all the fan like magazines and stuff during throughout this thing. Yeah, that's the and fan, was, the was when does the part where he talks about where uh, George gets arrested in France or something? Or there's also another talk of like that they're talking about the breakup, and I think this is in episode two. They're talking about like he's ringing, he's reading it like he's like an old timey newsreader, but he's talking about what someone reported based on him leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not back yet. George isn't back yet. Not yet. Yeah. There's one part John says something like, "Yeah, I was last night. I was uh, stoned and I got high." And, and you see Paul goes, uh, "Do we really have to do this in public?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah he didn't care so finally they have another meeting with George right George is away in yeah. Liverpool yeah he takes he's, off he's coming back on Wednesday so they're like okay we'll hang out with him on Wednesday yeah. by the way it's only two weeks to make her finish this thing <laughs> just letting you know like they some... actually delayed the start that time is supposed to be like the 14th or yeah something. it keeps getting pushed back they yeah. have this live gig schedule and that gets pushed back yeah. and stuff like that I think they even pushed back Ringo's start of his production they did and that they talk about that like because oh you're doing this thing like that's why you're doing this album called let it be maybe you should wait until you do your movie that nobody's gonna watch yeah <laughs> <laughs> although there was a good scene in that movie with uh raquel welch i think really yeah. i've never seen it pretty pretty yeah. yeah uh so what else we got going on so yeah so they have this meeting with george they don't document it because there's no, obviously no just a shot of his house right? yeah you know decide you know we'll, we'll work it out but they George says you know we've got to change it up I don't want to go back to Twickenham let's mm -hmm. go to our new Apple Studios at Seville Row they built a studio it felt like they built it in like a day yeah, like, well, we need a studio it's in the basement of uh, of Apple well they're uh, trying to get it ready I think it's like uh, they meet with George on Wednesday but I don't think they go into the studio till the following Monday yeah but they just like they were like we need a studio and then all of a sudden they uh, they make a studio sidebar yeah. to that there's actually a guy who um Goes to that basement because it's like a it's like a, a clothing store. It's a storage room right now. Yeah, Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah, 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 yeah for Abercrombie. And Fitch. Yeah, and it's in the basement, and he goes down, and it's like this is where the album was done, you know, basically, or some of it, you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, so they're like, we got to go to the studio, and all of a sudden, out of like, someone's like, get hammers. We got to build a studio. Beatles need a studio, and you go in there, and it's like it's pretty involved. You know what I mean? Like it's got a yeah, control room, white walls, green carpet. That green carpet, it's, like a fucking apple. I guess they did that. They did I guess apple. they do because yeah. of apple, but it's not it's a so, good color choice. So like nineteen sixty nine, right? Yeah, and Linda Eastman's kids running around. Oh my god! I, I wrote down uh, who's more annoying, Yoko or Heather? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm giving Yoko some shade. She's not that bad, actually. In this, she's film. just quiet and she's with him. And but my I'm offended by her presence, just her presence in yeah. general, because as a musician, I don't want someone's fucking wife. Yeah, there when I'm trying to put down a part or work on a song, I don't like when people bring wives on stage. Yeah, you know this is a Springsteen podcast. I don't like Patty on stage. <laughs> you know I've seen Bruce a few times without Patty, night and day. 
Really, when she's not on stage, he he's a rocker again. He yeah. fucking lets it loose. But when she's on stage, he kind of he, he holds he's it tame, back. He's tame, yeah. tamer, right? Well, the thing I'll, I'll give you know Yoko credit for the fact that at least she was there and had the the. She didn't know what was happening, nor did she care. No, she she didn't interfere. She looked tired. Yeah, she, she was like, well, she was on heroin too, right? Yeah, went had a nap somewhere or whatever. Yeah. Her and her patent leather pants. There's parts where she's just laying on the floor reading the paper, like the Beatles are fucking recording. Get back, and she's just fucking reading the news. <laughs> There's a funny part where she goes up to uh, George Martin and she's like, "Do you know where I can get music, uh, music books?" And she's like, "Well, yeah, you can go to any kind of publishing yeah, store." Publishing. Yeah, I need and a place later. To... Later, there's a shot. She's re- reading like the Beatles songbook. Yeah, I, you know, I obviously Yoko was a, a hindrance to the to the Beatles, but uh, you know, if you think in that short period of time that the Beatles were around with her. Did it break the Beatles up? I don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't think know they had their own they were, luggage. Yeah, they were part, I don't think yeah. she was maybe a little part of it, but she I don't didn't think help. She didn't help. You know, didn't help. If he would have left her at home, I'm sure he would have been more what's the word connected to the band. If she yeah. wasn't there, hanging on him the whole time. And or she she has this magic vagina. She has a magic vagina. That, I don't see it, man. No, I just but don't the, see it. No, neither do I. But maybe this fact of like, if you think so, if you say, well, Yoko stayed at, at the hotel and he came in and recorded, he maybe missed her so much that he couldn't write. Yeah, you know what I mean. Really? Was, I you think know. about it, you know what I mean. Like, I guess different people are what different, but yeah. Or she had a magic vagina. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, uh, vaginas? Ma- magic vaginas, yeah. there's these two cute girls that walk in with these trays of oh, tea. Yeah. Of course, right? These it's like gotta have like twenty cup of teas on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they got nice little skirts, right? Yeah. They're like um, the, the air pilot, like the air like air stewardess. Yeah. <laughs> these like little striped mugs. Right? <laughs> One thing I thought was funny the way John is always rehearsing his line for the because uh, he was on the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus That's right, performance yeah. from December. Yeah. So Michael Lindsay Hogg is working on that film as well. So he says, John, can you introduce the Stones? And he's got the, he does this line, and now our host for this evening, the Rolling Stones. And he keeps <laughs> repeating it to the camera like five times through that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They show up to Seville Row, and you know the energy's better, you know, and they're anxious to record, but it's not ready they yet. They can't get it ready. So yeah. they're yelling at Glenn. Or you know, Glenn, or Glenn, yeah. John calls him like Glynis. Glynis, are we ready to record yet? Because they're ready yeah. to go, but they're yeah, not we're ready. Good to go. Let's go. go. And Come he's on. like, but I know that. I know the feeling of being in Glynn's shoes. They're like, trying to do it live, and he can't get the PA position. Well, they right? kind of, yeah. Basically, what that takes a whole. If you're thinking about that concept of making a, to having a a sturdy recording session. To, by today's standards, you're sitting there by for a day just getting drum sounds. You know what I mean? Think yeah. about it. They're putting yeah. together the whole mix that eventually will be, and there's no like redos. You know, the only redo is just do it again. Yeah, another take, right? Yeah, and they they're on they're on a time schedule, yeah. right? And uh, you know, this is his first gig with the Beatles too, yeah. Right? He's been working with the Stones, yeah, for so while. Now he's with the Beatles, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. He, I'm sure he wants to do a good all job the pressure of just trying to pull it together like that, and in that what, that method of doing it, it's like so cut and that's it. You do it, you cut the song. Now you can edit things, but like I think wasn't like even you think about Day in the Life was like five different takes put together yeah. to become that version of the song. Well, but they, they were going for something different. They wanted yeah. to get that live. Yeah, you know, feel but cause... I do know that Let It Be must have been cut in the third verse. Because we think the original, like the one you know, we all know is there's a drum thing in it, but it's it's a, if you hear the naked version of it, it's a different third verse. Really, I haven't heard the the original. Yeah. the Phil the shine until tomorrow line. The shine until tomorrow. Really? Yeah, it's like a different drum beat. It's a different sound. It's a different vocal take. 
So well, I'll have to check that because I uh, I play Ringo in a, in a Beatles tribute band hmm. occasionally. Right, I've done it probably I don't know fifty, sixty gigs with this band, and we do that song sometimes. But I always do the the naked version because I don't even know the other one. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, the... Wonder if people are like, he did the wrong fucking thing. Ah! <laughs> no, I think the, the the Let It Be version has Phil Spectorisms in there. I think that's the do-do-do, uh-huh. adding the toms in there. Mm. Or, because you can hear the drums in the background, but then you there's hear this... A, there's a single mix. I don't know if the single is different from the album, too. There's a single mix, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting that, uh, you know, John is drinking milk. At Civil Road, I don't know if you know, there's a big glass of milk next yeah. to him a bunch of times. This is the stuff I, I, I love, right? Yeah, John drinking milk. I never knew that, right? He's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. It's uh, amazing. Yeah, so there's um, and there's another thing. There's this clear cylinder in the middle of the floor. I don't know if it is it an ashtray. It looks like know. it's an ashtray. At one point, it's got like a, like, a, like a lid on it, and he's got cigarette butts in it. But then there's another shot. Where it's the lids off and he's just putting the cigarette butts right in the bottom of it's it. It's just to hold it. The the oh, it's yeah. like a little like stand, little clear cylinder. It looks like a guitar slide, but just you know twenty times as big. <laughs> Maybe they put that there because it was like if we have carpet now, so if you drop your cigarette on the carpet, it could light the place on well, fire. The amount of cigarettes going around everywhere. They were putting, they were just leaving cigarettes on the console, <laughs> on speakers, just hanging. They're sitting in the control room, just hacking darts, and there's yeah. like a five year old kid in there with them. Sixty nine, man. Everybody yeah. smokes. Yeah, everybody <laughs> smoked. That's when they were probably like two dollars a pack, or you know, Fuck, I'm dying even for a cigarette. Dollar after a watching pack. All these Beatles. I can't do it. I can't. It, it was. I, I can't do it either. But it contains scenes of mature, uh, mature themes and smoking, explicit language and smoking, smoking. <laughs> uh, yeah, they really did pull that. This yeah. is Disney. There could be. Some if it was, uh, yeah, if smoking was something, it would be X-rated because of smoking. Just a lot too much smoking. Remember that scene where Paul like does that little jump over the chair? Yes. That's like, he's just <laughs> fired up, man. He just fucking stands on the chairs and jump. Over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's one part where he's, he's eating like a ch- uh, chocolate cupcake. <laughs> I miss that. <laughs> There's so many moments, man. Yeah, yeah. And John's like John's singing, and he's like chocolate, 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 oh, okay, cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's moments where they're like doing different versions. Is that the th- third part where they're doing two of us and different versions of it? And, or is that yeah, the they're doing part? the clenched teeth? Yeah. Two of us. That's terrifying. Is that in the second one or is that in the third one? Uh, that's the third one. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do it like in a Jamaican voice. They keep they, coming back to that. Do it a Scottish of voice. It's yeah. fucking funny, right? Yeah. But like I said, John's way up on this one. He's just so I, excited. Yeah. He's ready to go. He's hilarious. He's, I think can you imagine he's... being in a band with John Lennon? He must be no. just cracking me up. Yeah. He's either like totally depressing and, and dead or else he's just on fire. Just well, yeah. Taking it, the piss it's amazing what a week can do, right? You know, yeah. of the whole fact. And I think... Or a magic vagina. Magic vagina. I think the fact that George being back, the band kind of firing on more cylinders because it's in the studio, because there's a sense of legitimacy being in the studio... The cameras aren't a big deal anymore as much. Yeah. I think that's what's getting him like in the mode. To and they've keep... had about two weeks of jamming too, right? Yeah. Like you think, uh, I don't know, whenever the White Album came out, like fall 68. So yeah. they haven't really seen each other in yeah. three or four months. Haven't played probably. Yeah. So now here they are jamming for two or three weeks and they're yeah. starting to get in the groove. We're out with the Beatles again. That'd be a weird release of the White Album and you're like not playing one show live. Like not having to. Well, <laughs> they like... fucking didn't play a show since uh, like... August 66, I think, was yeah. their last show, right? Yeah. Uh, 
talk about some of the fashion choices, right? Yeah. We talked about fur coats earlier. A lot of waist high pants. A lot of high yeah, high, high pants. Cut. Uh, John's in his vest. There's one part where John's like continuity clothing. He just wears the same thing every day. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's probably just a lazy. Yeah, store. he just doesn't change. <laughs> yeah, he's like continuity clothing. And then George is like, yeah, but it'll make it make us look like we're changing our clothes every thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's funny. There's a shot of a. Uh, there's a great shot at that studio where there's a floor shot. And it's almost like it's on a track. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Just pans and you see Paul and you see the big cylinder. Is, is he the, yeah. Oh, there's the anvils on the floor there too. Well, that's from is that Twickenham though? Because there's no, one, there simple. is one sort of looks like it's on a on a well, track. They, they had like cranes where they go behind, shot. they go behind the drum kit. There's one too. shot it's at the Apple Studios where it's just like on the floor. And it's yeah. Floor level. And Ringo's behind the barriers. You know, he's just sitting. I don't like that. I want to see his drums. Top of his head, just sitting there like playing away. They didn't have clear barriers back then. <laughs> they had barriers, period. That yeah. was the one I was like, yeah. And that same rag that went on the snare drum came all the way from the other place right into that. Like, they didn't, you know. I wonder where that rag is right now. It's probably got to be somewhere. Like, it's probably. Is it in the garbage or does somebody have it? Were they done with it when they're like, yeah, we're done it's with it? It's identifiable because you can see there's a writing on or there's a word it. It looked like a part. It might have been from the cafeteria because it looks like, yeah. you know, a kitchen. It looks like a kitchen rack. When I do the uh, the Beatles gigs on the cruise ships and I'm playing drums, when I get into these this period of the songs, I put, you know, I dampen the drums to get yeah, that yeah. sound. But what I do is I steal pillowcases from the cruise ship yeah. and I rip them up and I put those on the drums. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. my drums will have pillowcases or like princess cruises and stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> it does look like, because it's got that red stripe on it. And I think he had one on a tom, a floor tom for a while. He too. moves it around, yeah. Usually yeah. the two rack toms are empty, but the floor tom, like when he does doing two of us. Do, 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 yeah, that's got the towel. On but it, they yeah. hadn't. I think it was two towels because I think it was still one on the snare. Yeah, for, yeah. At the same time, yeah. Keep it quiet. So, but Billy Preston shows up. Yeah, he's in town doing a TV show with uh, Ray Charles. Yeah, he knew the Beatles. I guess they met Hamburg days. Yeah, Hamburg days. Yeah. So he just drops by to say hey. Meanwhile, earlier they've been talking. They about, were talking about getting if him. We're or doing something. this live. We're going to need somebody to play piano, like real keyboards. Why don't we get? Why don't we get another guy? All of a sudden, Billy Preston walks in. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking yeah. kismet. It's timing, yeah. right? Who is called the fifth Beatle? Like, yeah. there's an actual John said he's the fifth Beatle. And you see, you just see the the energy. The energy level. just raises. They start smiling. They're all trying to act on their best behavior because there's an outsider here. Yeah. Now, right. And, yeah. Uh, they start jamming, and Billy's like, yeah, man, I'll play with you guys. And they yeah. start doing I've Got a Feeling, and he just sits down, and he starts, he puts in that, yeah. like, down, down, down. Oh. And <laughs> Spring's so watching that, and she's like, that just comes out of his hands? I'm like, yeah, that's what people do. Like, yeah, that's just, just yeah, magically yeah. coming out. He's jamming, <laughs> so you know? Right. Well, that's that's obviously, like, he kind of saved that project because mm. it was looking good, but when they finally got him to come in, Everybody, you're you're totally right. Everybody got right into it. Yeah. Down to business. We got We can't fuck around. There's like a real guy here. And some yeah. of the inner turmoil and inner jokes stop because they don't want to show that side yeah. in front of an outsider, right? So yeah, yeah. A fascinating moment because he. I the other thing I noticed is like the Leslie cabinet shows up. It's in a box. Yeah. And then the or well before that the organ shows up and then the Rhodes shows up and they're like. It's an electric piano. This is kind of cool. Like yeah. it's like a new toy. John says something like, "If if, if Beethoven was alive, he'd have a, a deaf aid and a Fender Rhodes." <laughs> <laughs> and that Fender Rhodes is kind of cool because it, I've never seen one like it because it's actually shiny. It's brighter. Usually Rhodes are like a black. Yeah. Like a, and it's like st the stand is the speaker. The right? speakers underneath. Yeah. And then they got these two little things, and it's two like, legs. I wonder how that thing travels. Probably not well, but when you like you see that, and then you see the Leslie cabinet show up because all that guitar solo for Let It Be is through a Leslie cabinet. Right. 
and it's in the box, and they show the box. And I'm like, yeah. God, if I hit that box, just the box. <laughs> the Beatles, like, the Leslie box. Man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just the box. I ended up in the trash somewhere. Because they do show the studio at times, is it just in complete shambles? Yeah, it's what cores are with some mess, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm just garbage, like food and yeah. shit hanging around. Cigarette butts. Yeah. <laughs> Marmalade, toast. Work on two of us. And they decide to take the bass off it. And Paul's like, yeah, bass is a drag, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. He's going to go two acoustic guitars. George plays little licks, kind of bass licks, actually on his uh, his uh, Rosewood Fender Telecaster. Right? And Ringo is playing floor tom with the, the damper, the towel yeah. damper. Paul asks Mal, Mal, go get my uh, Martin acoustic guitar, right? Yeah. And I noticed Paul's got this Martin acoustic guitar, but it's a right-handed guitar strung upside down yeah. right, for him to play left-handed. Yeah. The other thing I noticed, too, is when John was or george was playing quote-unquote bass it was this fender six-string oh yeah six-string bass it's bass. like a guitar and my buddy brent just bought one like a couple of oh, months yeah? ago and i played it I was in vancouver playing it and it's like that's the songs that made like helter skelter like that's really? that's one of those fender those fender six-string six bases, bases yeah. and i'm like where do you find strings for this like <laughs> but yeah, yeah i, I thought cool, it'd be man because like it's easier for John to play that than a bass. Yeah, it's like a guitar. It's like a yeah, guitar yeah. But I always found that amazing that nobody would obviously couldn't pick up left hand bass, but they wouldn't just get like a normal bass. It was like it was this guitar looking bass yeah. that just had I think it had five extra frets on it. It was or so it was bigger, yeah, longer, like yeah, longer bass, bass neck. It's funny yeah. when we do the uh, the Beatles gigs, we play Hey Jude, and the Paul character goes to the piano. So the George character plays bass, but he plays. The left-handed Hoffner bass. Right the other way. Right that's that's a challenge, you know. You got to have yeah, a repetition yeah. with that to do it that way. Especially after playing like forty-five minutes right-handed. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden your mind has yeah, to think like, backwards. Think yeah. backwards. Yeah, they start working on. Uh, George's got a new song for you, Blue. Yes, that he wrote about one of his uh, his birds. Right? Johnny also played like the that Hawaiian uh, laptop steel. Yeah, they got a, they got a Hawaiian laptop. And that steel. came in like out of the blue, like out of nowhere. Like let's yeah. say. Dude, there's that guy, uh, Magic Alex. You know about him? Yes, the guy that made all that, invented all did the he, stuff. Did he get it or did Mal get it? No, no, Somebody I think Mal just, got it. But they talk oh, yeah. about the stuff that he invented. And there's this one thing. Yeah, that, that bass. It's yeah, a bass weird guitar bass that for, plays in all directions. They start like, taking the piss out. Yeah, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. But the uh, the fact that uh, John, there's a take that you hear on the movie that's different than the version. And he's going, that was the best take I ever did. That was amazing. I nailed it. And yeah. it wasn't the version you hear on oh, the wow. album. <laughs> There's a shot they show him playing the lap steel there, and he's the slide is like a, it's almost like a lipstick. And he's playing it it's weird. Like he's thing. not playing. He's playing with two like holding it, not like putting it the finger in the hole. He's like holding it like like it's like, like a, not like it's on your finger. He's yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, whatever works, man. Sounds good. Go, Johnny, go. For that song, Paul's on piano, and George is like, can we get it like honky-tonk so it doesn't sound like a grand piano? Oh, and they have to treat the put like all stuff in the piano. Yeah, and, newspapers to make yeah. it sound all kind of yeah. teeny. That's yeah. There's like we don't want it to sound like a bluetooth. <laughs> want to make it sound like an old old piano. Yeah, so that's the end of episode two. It ends with with the scene we mentioned earlier, Glenn and Michael saying, "What if we go up on the roof?" And Paul goes, "Yes, hmm. yeah." And that's where we end, right? Such a magical moment. It was like because it was everything. It was hitting all the buttons and all the right things to say. Yeah, this is exactly what we envisioned. And I, I give credit to Peter Jackson for doing it that way, to telling the story because. It was foreshadowing, and that's great storytelling, right? He knows the history, so he can see those moments and be like, oh, my God. Yeah, we need to You use... can see him, you know, this all connecting, right? Yeah. It's great filmmaking. Can you imagine if they actually went to L.A. to make that record? Would it be... 
I wonder what that record would sound like. I would still be great. It's the Bloody Beatles, man. Yeah, but it'd be like, yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's the Beatles. They'll figure it out. But yeah, I, mean, I love that line uh, Paul says in the anthology about the uh, the White Album, where he's like, uh, you know, people said it was too long, it's double album. I'm like, ah, it's the Bloody Beatles, man. <laughs> Get over <laughs> Get it. Get over it. <laughs> so we get to part three. This is going to focus basically on the rooftop concert and the last kind of four days. We're doing uh, January 26th to the 31st here. I love the scene where you get Ringo at the piano working on Octopus's Garden. Yes. And now, the history, was that was already done, wasn't it? Octopus's no, Garden? that's for Abbey Road, right? Abbey Road, okay. So that's the thing about this, too. You, you hear a lot of the these Abbey Road songs here in their mm-hmm. kind of beginning stages. Right? Yeah, yeah. So Ringo's always trying to write his one song, right? There's a part where they talk about, uh, you know, everybody loves Don't Pass Me By. You should write another one like that, right? <laughs> so he writes Octopus's Garden. It's kind of got that doom da da doom da right? And they're talking about, they're working on the vri- bridge, and George comes along, and he's kind of really eager, and he's like trying to help Ringo with this bridge. And what if we put this chord, a chord or a minor chord here, and he kind of helps him with the bridge, right? John shows up, and George is like, "Hey, John, check out Richie's new song, right?" And then John's like, "Well, what am I going to play?" And Ringo's like, "You're going to play drums." <laughs> and John's like, "Well, I'm going to need a ciggy for that first, right?" He grabs a cigarette and he goes sits on the drum kit, and they start jamming Octopus's Garden, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's pretty amazing. Linda brings her daughter Heather, who's Paul will eventually adopt. Yes, right. So she, uh, you know, brings some chaos to the studio there for a few hours, just running amok. <laughs> There's a fun moment where she's talking about cats and kittens, and John's like, "You know, people eat kittens or something like that." He knows too. We have the those cool you. UK uh, English uh, Coke bottles, Coca Cola. Yes. You know yeah. those? Yeah. Because I'm like, what is that? What is that they're drinking? Some sort of cola. And I, you know, freeze frame, zoom in on this. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's fucking Coca Cola. Yeah, cool. yeah. Up until I was like maybe 20, I thought they recorded that in, at Abbey Road. So I'm like going, why is that ugly carpet in there? Like, I, just, I always just assumed that when I was a kid, that it was done where they did all their other albums. Oh yeah, that they didn't do it at the Apple, these no. Apple Studios. No, no. The one that, one so when I watched it, I was like, I was watching it again, going, "Of course it." You know, look around, like. But I'm as a young twenty year old something watching it, I just assumed because I had the book, my parents' book, and I always assumed it was done at, yeah, at Abbey Road. Even notice in the control room, those four big. Yes, I'm speakers. trying to figure out what They're what like that was about. Big gray square monitor, but there were speakers. There's but one, there's one part where they say four speakers, and it's like we only have two ears. Or yeah. Like that, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a weird one, and I haven't really researched that as to why they would do that because it was stereo. It was stereo, but why would they have four speakers? Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I put down in my notes here. Paul sucks on drums. <laughs> He's a good drummer, though. Fuck that. He's awful, man. He's a pretty good drummer. No, he's not. He's he plays terrible. the wrong way. Got to give him a break. He's left-handed. I give him no breaks at all. <laughs> but uh, there's a part here. He's sitting on the drums for one of those freakout sections. And, uh, you know, Heather's screaming. And, like, there's a part she starts screaming. And then John goes, Yoko? <laughs> <laughs> I was cracking up over that. Yeah. That was great, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when, well, when Paul's on the drums, you see Ringo is, like, just sitting on the floor smoking behind him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Nah, have your fun, Paul. Yeah. Well, wasn't I, I have a I have a I have a problem with Paul, man. Like, well, Paul you know also it, famously it, said that. Well, who is Ringo the best drummer in the world? And yeah. Paul said Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. Yeah, fuck you, Paul McCartney. <laughs> say something like that. There was another thing too. He used to say on stage. He used to dog Ringo. And see, my big problem with Paul, I have to say, is because playing in this Beatles tribute band, hmm. every Paul McCartney in this band I play with, they're they're all dicks. <laughs> They, I've, there's about four or five of them that I play with that gets subbed in and that's out. That's amazing. And Sorry, all, but that's that's fucking. No, I'm not going to name any names, but yeah. you know, even no, you just did. You just named them all. Yeah, but 
The other guys in the band will agree. Every Paul is a fucking pretentious, pompous ass. They think they're awesome because they can do a Paul McCartney impersonation. They can play piano and bass. They think they're fucking Paul McCartney. Right? There was We had one Paul McCartney on. He made some comment on stage. Like, I sing Yellow Submarine, yeah. and Paul introduces me. And he said something one night, and it was a new Paul. Yeah. And I fucking laid him out backstage. I'm like, you know what? Don't you ever fucking say that on stage again? And he's like, well, that's actually a line that Paul said to Ringo. And I'm like, fuck that, man. He shouldn't have said that. Like, don't ever, <laughs> don't ever say that on stage again. That's amazing. Yeah, that's fucking- that's incredible. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. I, li- I like that. You you gave Paul McCartney shit by proxy. <laughs> yeah, so there's a, yeah, there's a nice moment. Back when we work, George has got Old Brown Shoe. Yeah. He's working on that. I think that was a single only. But uh, he's playing piano. You don't really see George on That's piano. That's right. Yeah, and he's yeah. actually talking to Billy like, what's this chord? It's an E with a C? Yes. Or is it, a, is it an F? I know what an E with an F is, but not an E with a C. <laughs> yeah. Actually, one thing that someone told me is that Paul McCartney couldn't read music. And I think that's a lie because he knew what a major minor was and he knew what chords he was talking about. When he was, that's one he thing probably that, couldn't read when the Beatles started, but as... He progressed. Right. I'm sure he probably learned. Of course, he'd have to, right? George yeah. Martin probably just because he didn't right? really play piano. I th- I think he wrote some songs. There's Peter Asher tells story that he when he lived at his house, he, Paul would write songs in his apartment that he lived with Peter Asher, mm-hmm. but on the piano, but not really knowing piano. Right. Yeah. I think it's while George and Billy are working, you see John helping the roadies load in the Leslie. Yes. Right. And and John got shit a lot of times for like not. Being part of the team and the dude pulling his weight. Yeah. But here's here's a shot of him fucking And those things suck. I'll tell you, I have one in my office right now and it sucks. It doesn't even have the amp in it. It, yeah. it was so awkward and stupid. I had to make handles for it so it actually would because yeah. uh yeah, it's it sucks. So here's suck. John Lennon helping this roadie just wheeling a, a Leslie. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's actually just digressing, but there's when they played DC after Ed Sullivan's show, when they had that lazy Susan drum kit. Yeah, George, uh, Ringo came and just sort of pulled the drum. Yeah, Ringo would get off it. He would. Like, he moved the drum kit the right so way. Because the when they the started, audience. they were playing the wrong direction. They were in the wrong direction. Well, no, it's isn't it because they were in the round? Yeah, but when he first came out, they were all for, point, pointing like here, and the kit was facing the wrong way. Oh, so the, so the, Ringo, the amps backwards or yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, they were always backwards. What depending what time where they played? Right. But right, that right. that's actually historic. Like you watch that, and it's like, how the hell did that happen? It's a plywood stage. Lazy Susan, like the rickety old drum, like riser. It's the early days, man. Yeah, this is uncharted territory. Nobody had ever done anything That's like true. this, man. Yeah. There's a nice moment with uh, John and Yoko making out, and you see Paul's at the piano. He starts singing "Strawberry Fields." Yeah. And when have you ever heard Paul sing "Strawberry Fields"? Right? Yes, Amazing, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Moments like that, right? Yeah. They've been giving shit to uh, Glynis about the PA sound, right? They can't record if yeah. they if they speeding get back, speeding and... back. So then there's another shot, and you see. Those rectangular fender PAs, they got them on these stands and they're angled. Yeah, they're pointing the up at the ceiling. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's, that's how they figured it out. Trial and error, yeah, right? Like if we work. point it at the sky, it's going to sound better. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how long it, well, obviously we know how long it took about a day to sort of figure out yeah. the, the the method of how that recording session would go down. Yeah. Well, it took them like five, six days to set the studio up. But then once the Beatles get in there, they're like, ah, we got to fix this. We got to switch this, right? So it's, yeah. they're always on the fly. Yeah. They start working on Get Back. There's a bunch of takes. They show off Get Back. I love just Ringo's drum part. Yeah. And John is really pushing the band. John's into it. Yeah. He really wants them to get a good take. So you can see the energy in John and how he's working as a team member here. It's, it's amazing yeah. stuff, right? And you think about maybe wasn't 
shooting as much heroin that week or yeah. something or something was yeah like you know, you just... know people know he was on heroin but you know you can sometimes you can function as a heroin addict right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe he wasn't even an addict maybe he was just dabbling was there some sort of like was there a timeline when he actually started like when yeah people know i'm not really sure but i know people have known he was on at this is the period where he was like heavy but when he started like i don't know what that like was it well he pre... didn't smoke he didn't smoke dope until what like 65 because there's parts where he's singing dear prudence in white album where he's like on his back when he's singing on his back, and he was kind of strung out even during the White Album. Well, the White Album sounds like he's on heroin, so I would assume. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless he's like, yeah, this, some heroin would go good with this album. Maybe <laughs> these songs of writing would yeah, go yeah. good with heroin. Good with heroin. <laughs> That's what the name of the album should be called. Yeah. Good with heroin. There's the shot of them. They finally get some good takes and get back, and they go into the control room, and they're oh yeah, they're, they're like all bopping, listening yeah. to the playback, and it's funny. The control room is like the the windows are not. Facing the console. No, the it's console. to the side. Yeah, yeah, like the windows over here and the console's this way. So it's yeah. odd. But... It's like probably they had a vision of it. Maybe, you know what? That's interesting you say that because Studio 2 is the same way. Where you point, you look to your left, that's where the live room is. Really? So maybe that was maybe a throwback to that in a way. Cause they, I'm used to the guy sitting at the board and then looking the, over the window the, is right there. Yeah. So you can look and, you know, yeah. go on the talk mic and stuff, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, they start doing I've Got a Feeling. Ringo is just fucking nailing this. He's got a great groove. Uh, you know they're really uh, jamming here. And this is leading up to the roof. Yeah, yeah. They're they're, they're you know figuring out what songs can they play on the roof. Right? Yes, we're gonna get about five six songs that we can kind of record it. They there. wanted to do seven or something. What I heard, yeah. and they got, they got three f- or four. four. I got more than that. Four yeah. or five, I would say. Yeah. yeah. There's a, a scene of uh, George working on something. Yes. And he can't get this line. He's like, I don't know what to rhyme this. And John's like, uh, Yeah. Attracts me like no other lover. But he, John's like, just say, attracts me like a cauliflower. Just yeah. say whatever you think. Say whatever you, feels. It'll come the, later. Yeah. Yeah. He says like... Uh, George Sage says, advice. George tries to say like, uh, attracts me like a moth to a candle, but it's kind of clunky, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good advice, too. If you're singing, and you, you can't let the words hinder a good melody. That was the Aussie thing, right? Ozzy Osbourne? Yeah. Tony Iommi would write these riffs, and he would just be like... Uh, and he was just kind of like and the words would come out out of it and then Geezer would take that melody and yeah, that's exactly how I write songs. By the way, <laughs> I don't, I I don't come up with words. I I sing phonetic weirdness, yeah. and then I give it to my buddy, and he finds the words and puts the words to the paper. Yeah, man, whatever gets it done. Yeah, it's true. There's another freeze frame shot where I zoom in on this. There's a shot of the Fender Roads, right? And there's a glass of wine, I think. There's a pack of smokes, obviously. And there's a <laughs> there's a single, 45. And I'm like, what's the, what single is that? Yeah. And it's uh, it's Fleetwood Mac. Need your love so bad? Wow! With uh, stop messing around on the flip side. Interesting. Yeah. yeah so yeah. need you need your love so bad is a that's a, a little Willie John cover. Yeah. So I I don't know that was on the Fender Road. So I don't know if Billy brought that to the session or if they were if listening to that or there. If, who knows? Right. That's, so, interesting. that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's a scene where George has got his Rocky Strat, the Fender Strat, the Rocky one that he. Uh, he painted up. He had like a. He was tripping out one night, and he had a psychedelic moment. He's like, "I'm just thinking, I'm gonna paint this Fender Stratocaster." That's in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's what he uses on the, in the uh, "I Am on the Walrus" video. Okay. It's that painted yeah. Strat. So do you see that here? I've never seen that in any of the. Uh, the and when did the Rickenbacker come out? Because I remember seeing it. Was it in the third episode or? 
Because you all, yeah. played it for like, it seemed like a minute. Because there's a scene where Glenn's like, turn the bass off on your guitar, like the knobs. Yeah. And Paul's like, no, nah, you can't really. he's explaining like this has two outputs. Yeah. Yeah, because if you look at the Hofner bass, it's the, con- the controls. It's it's odd. There's like two volume knobs, yeah. two pickups, right? And then these these switches. It's like a bass treble and a solo switch. Yeah. And it's like on and off switches. And all it does is turn the pickups on and off. Right, right. So there's not really a, vol- a bass treble yeah. control knob, right? Tone knob. Paul's gone, and then we have George, John, and Ringo hanging out. I always love that stuff, the different dynamics when one guy leaves yeah. and the other guy's yeah. working on songs. What was right? Paul doing? He was doing something. Like, he was doing an interview or something. Like, you know, it was just, that stuff's always going on. Yeah. And, they, they, and that's when John starts telling George, yeah, I met with Alan Klein a couple of nights yes, ago. Right? We to bring be that manager. Up. Yeah, Alan Klein was the manager that ripped off the stones. Yeah. Right? He came up with this uh, Abco company. Mm-hmm. And, and still to this day, the Stones do not own their first 10 records. Yeah. That's why they came up with the Sticky Fingers label, right, in 71. Mm-hmm. So it's all Alan Klein ripping off their publishing and all this stuff. And the Beatles have just lost uh, Brian Epstein. Epstein, yes. A few years. Drug overdose, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. How died? yeah. And there's a few scenes where they're talking about him and they all Mr. call Epstein. Mr. Epstein. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy, right? Mr. Epstein. And he was like their age. maybe. Yeah, like, maybe a little bit older. A little bit older, but, but yeah. Mr. Epstein. Mr. Always, Epstein, right? yeah. <laughs> Showing the respect, right? Well, they kind of were. They kind of took the reins on Magical Mystery Tour. They kind of man- self managed themselves. Well, that's where they came up with Apple because to yeah. come up with a company that could handle all their shit. Right? Yeah. Uh, at this time, John's talking about he, he loves Alan Klein too, right? Mm. He's like, hey, he's fantastic. He knows all about us. He knows me just like you know me, mm-hmm. right? And you know what I I read too is that. You know, Alan Klein, he's one of those, you know, shyster managers like Colonel Tom Parker, just yeah. ripping people off. And I think he knew that John was just obsessed with Yoko, this woman that, like, the whole world is against. Yeah. Everybody's against their relationship. Yeah. So Alan Klein is like, I'm going to research Yoko and pretend I'm a Yoko fan. So then when I have this meeting with John and Yoko, I'll, I can ask about Yoko's art. And I'll pretend that I'm really interested in oh her. Oh, my God. And, and, and John fell for it. And John's yeah. like, this guy's great, man. He likes Yoko. Yeah. He knows about Ringo. He knows about the dynamic between me and Paul. Interesting. So he's like, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> yeah. it, it's crazy, man. Maybe a different different story had they uh, taken him on, maybe. Well, they did. Yeah. Well, he was the Oh, they man. did? Yeah. Oh. There was a point where Alan Klein managed the Stones and the Beatles at the oh, same I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. They're talking about it, and uh, Glenn Johns, who worked with the Stones, he knows Alan Klein. Yeah. And he's like, ah, he's a strange man. He's like, he's clever, but yeah. he's strange. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I like Glenn. He had good hair. His hair, like, kind of swoopy. Yeah, and he's funky, man. He looked like he played shades. in Sloan. Yeah. He could be like. <laughs> <laughs> Ringo is talking about that. He's, he's just like, well, it'd be nice to have a con man on our side for a change. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. Famous last words. Yes. There's one scene I love where George, you can't see George, you see John, but the piano is blocking George. And George is trepidatiously telling John that he would like to do a solo record. Yeah. Right? And you can hear it in his voice that he's like nervous. He's Because if I say this, this yeah. could be my exit out of the band. Yeah, Depending yeah, yeah. on John's response, right? Yeah. But he's like, George is like, you know, we could do solo records. We could all do solo records and we could still keep this Beatle bit going. That's amazing, right? Yeah, and John's and that, like John agrees. He's like, yeah, that would be, that would be a, a pretty good idea. Like we could all do them, keep the Beatles intact, right? Yeah, and it seemed like the rift between John and Paul wasn't really prevalent in this. It, I, like, it just seemed like they're just arguing like brothers, and yeah. co-leaders of a, the biggest band in the world. Because historically, they learned to like they write songs about each other and sort of battled through you know through lyrics and stuff and songs. But the way I saw it is that. 
if I was the manager of the Beatles saying, yeah, the Beatles are going to make you a lot of money. Just do your solo records and have fun, but come back fresh to do a Beatles album in That's 73 all, or something. I know. You, know? You, you can look at every band and, and the moves they should have made, all these bands that break up. You're like, why didn't you just do this? And then you could have kept it together. But yeah, when you're in the, when you're in the thing at the time, you know, like when they all get their solo records going, the last thing they want to do is go back into this yeah. crazy world of the Beatles. You know, I know, but you think about it, though. If you would have been, maybe if they were 10 years older, it'd be a different story. They'd yeah, be like, be okay, more mature. But they're more mature. 20s, man. I they're know, they're 28 years old, you know. <laughs> I think George was 27 when they did, you know, Let It Be. Yeah, this one part, George goes, uh, you know, I could, I have all these songs. He's, he's got yeah. a, a catalog of songs. He's like, I could just give them away to get people to do good versions of them. But he's like, but fuck all that. Yeah. I'm going to do me for a change. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's that, a good quote. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. And then, and then it kind of finishes the, the kind of Apple Studios segment where we get that two of us clenched teeth version. Yes. Which is fucking hilarious. It's amazing. Right. They're looking at each other yeah. like, like, how do you not? Yeah, <laughs> how do you not? Like, crack uh, like a ventrilo- ventriloquist or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that leads up to the, the rooftops. The go to the roof. The big climax, right? Yeah. The and- great part is when Paul goes up there and just jumping around, going, "Is this going to hold our weight? Like, is this going to work?" <laughs> yeah. Ringo and Paul and Mal go up there. Yeah. Right. And there's part where they're pulling Michael Lindsay Hogg up, and they they got him. They, Arm and arm. Oh, they they pull, and he's in like a suit, and they're just pulling him up on this thing, right? Yeah, he and looked think, very unhealthy, oh. very unhealthy. His voice was annoying as fuck, too. Michael, I think we should do yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, but they go to this one part of the roof, and that's not actually where they filmed. Yes, they're up higher. They're up higher. Yeah. It's smaller, and they're like so. They go back down to this other place, and they put like, planks, boards on it to like, yes. reinforce it. They put this one dinky little rail up so they don't fall over, <laughs> don't fall off the oh, edge. That's right. There's scenes yeah. where like. They're playing the show, and like John goes to look over the edge, and then Ringo gets off his kit. He yeah, walks he over. looks he, over he goes, too. Oh, oh. Jeez, I don't know about this. <laughs> yes, and then they start. They actually, yeah. So they get everything going, and it looked like chaos, you know, because oh, yeah. the interesting thing is they had eleven cameras shooting that. Yeah, one on a, a building across well, the across way. the road, which we'll get to. It, but a guy comes across, and what is this guy with a camera oh, on my yeah, roof? Yeah. <laughs> like what? they just took over the whole block. Yeah. Um, I love the fact where they had to clarify it was a CCTV, closed circuit TV, to get downstairs to the control room because that's he had a little TV he could see, and you don't get to see that angle. I wonder if if any nobody would videotape. Is that true? There's a there's, so Glenn was in the basement. Recording, he was in the basement recording. And they had a. a- and, they, so you and you can see a very quick shot of it. It's like this wow, box with like this one little TV pointing down. And that never got... Obviously, they didn't have a video recording machine. Mm. But that would have been just this amazing shot because it was the band from the back, from what I could remember. But you think... So there was a special shot just for Glenn. Just for Glenn. And he, think, no one else saw it. Wow. No one else would That's see nuts. that. That's crazy. Yeah. So they talk about the closed cir- circuit TV. And I'm like... And then the, I love the fact that the guy's with the clapper board. He's like, 11 cameras, click. And then yeah. he's just, and then off they go. Yeah. And they did what? They, like, like a, they, they start with a sound check for Get Back. They just jump into it. Yeah. The sounds that he play like a minute of it. Ringo's got his red raincoat looking thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Paul looks good. He's got his blacks and a white shirt. Yeah. And, uh, you know, John and George are in their fur coats. Yeah. Yeah. Cold <laughs> yeah. as fuck. You see, they start playing and, you know, John looks over to George and he looks at his fingers like it's fucking cold man yeah 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 <laughs> but they did uh and then they yeah they ran through every song i think what three times well i got it written down here so they do uh they start with get back right ringles grooving right john's picking those licks right yeah 
then they do it again right after that. Yeah. And the second take, the coda on it is way better. They get the the, the jam yeah, yeah, yeah. Way, way better. They do that twice. And uh, the whole time this is going on, there's shots down the street. Yes, Chaos people are like, starting. Yeah. Right do you there. know what this is? This is the Beatles. Oh, this is great. I love that. And the old guys. Like, I love the Beatles. Oh, I love the Beatles. Yeah, the, most, of the, most of the people love it. There's the one cranky little old lady that's like, ah, I, was, I was having my sleep and they woke me up. I don't like it at all. <laughs> cranky people. And there was like some young guy that's like, this is a travesty. Or, this is yes. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's then those two cops. The two cops. The two cops. That they know their name of. show up. And yeah. There's two most valuable players, two you know people that I think are the heroes of this session, which is one is Debbie, the receptionist, the receptionist who yeah. is just stalling the fuck yeah. out of these guys. I don't guys. know what you mean. They're just upstairs doing a recording session. Yeah, so I don't know if she was told like before Just stall them. Like, just stall them. Yeah. So she's just like, yeah, the recording, you can't go in You there. can't go up there. And then they're like, okay, we'll, we'll get Derek to come down and talk. So she's just stalling. Yeah. Like, oh, they're just recording. And the cops don't even know they're on the roof until yeah. they're, they're like, they're on the roof? What? <laughs> <laughs> yes, she was absolutely a star. And, yeah, dumb. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I'm just a receptionist. Yeah, just right? receptionist. Yeah, just, yeah. You can't go in there though. Yeah, yeah. That's what I do know. <laughs> yeah. So then they do. Uh, they get into "Don't Let Me Down," but they do a different version of "Don't Let Me Down," which was like "Glebo." Yeah, we fucked the words we, up. We, we fought, forgot the words. Yes, and up. that made it into the Imagine doc too. The John Lennon doc mm. that's in there for a very brief period of time. It's a great John moment. For yeah, sure. yeah. He just didn't forgot the words. And you think about the amount of pressure you're under to deliver something. Whether it be you just want to be good, right? And then you're like lost in the moment. How many times have you been like, just fuck it up? You know, and that's the yeah, way it's it a new song, right? He doesn't have lyrics in front of him. Yeah, right. Yeah. They go next. They go. They do. Uh, I've got a feeling. Yep. And that's actually the master take. Yes. That made the album. That's the version. That yeah. Version on, on the album. Uh, what do we get next? We get. Uh, then they go in the one after nine or nine. Yeah. That's another master take. So yep. they get two in a row, right? Two good takes in a row. Yeah. And then we have the other uh, most valuable player is Mal, who's also stalling the cops, right? The cops are bugging him now. <laughs> right? He's in the lobby. He's like, he's like I'll, I'll just turn off the PA. It'll be all right. Yeah, it'll right? be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, man. Back to the roof. They go in to dig a pony. Right, another master take. So yep. they, get, they get three songs in a row, three takes in a row, right? They're, they're really jamming here. Yeah. And for this version, this is awesome, dig a pony. They get this other roadie. Uh, his name's Kevin Harrington to hold the lyrics Yes. For John on a clipboard. Like underneath, yeah, behind, yeah. And I just recently heard an interview with this guy, and it was hilarious because he thought the reason he did that was because they didn't have any music stands. Yeah. But he said after watching this documentary, there's music stands everywhere. <laughs> so he didn't know why. He said, I guess John just wanted me to hold, hold the, the lyrics. lyrics. So he kneels down right in front of John and just holds the lyrics on a clipboard for him. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. He's the same roadie that moved all the gear up and down, too. Upstairs and yeah, down, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do another take of I've Got a Feeling, and they go back into Don't Let Me Down, even with a version of that. Cops show up. They're on the roof now. Yeah. They get past all the uh, obstacles from Mal and Debbie. And there's a part where they're doing I've Got a Feeling, and Paul looks over. Looks over. And he sees them. He's like, yep. And he like, starts smiling, yeah. and he goes back on the mic, and he goes, woo! <laughs> he's like, yeah, that's exactly yeah this what is I exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Exactly what I want. yeah. And you notice Yoko on a chair. She's off in the corner of the Yeah, house, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then they go, they flash back to the, the lobby. Now we have Sergeant Kendrick has showed up. Yeah, he's the guy. He's, he's like the, he's yeah, going to yeah. fix this. Because the, the cops, the constables or whatever they were, they're like, we got to call somebody. Nobody's listening to us. So they call a sergeant down. Mm. Sergeant shows up and he's like, what's going on here? Right. And, and Debbie's <laughs> like, oh, your two officers are on the roof. Yeah. And he's like, they're on the roof. 
and he tries to go up, and she's she, brilliant. She goes, uh, "You can't go up there because it's over. It's going to fall. There's yeah, it's going to collapse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> more green stalling. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, they're playing uh, "Don't Let Me Down." I guess Paul, they know that they're going to get shut down. Yeah. So as soon as that song ends, they go right, right into, into the next. Get back. Right, yeah. Just segue right into right into get back. And this is awesome. Mal's getting shit from the cops. He goes over and he turns off John and George's guitar amps at one point. Yeah. Right. So when you hear that version, there's a version on the anthology, which is actually that song, the last song they performed on the rooftop, and it's the last live performance of the Beatles yeah. ever. And they have that. And you, there's a part in the second verse where there were, you know, the guitars cut out. And it's just Ringo, Paul, and Billy. Yeah. For like a little bit, right? And, then, and you see the video and you see like George goes over and he turns his amp back, back on. on. Yeah. And then you see John like look at Mal and he probably said, you better turn that bloody amp back on. Right? <laughs> right? So yeah. he turns it back yeah, on. Yeah, right? yeah. And they're back. John, the tone of his guitar is like distorted now. Yeah. Whereas usually he's playing those licks with a clean tone. But I guess because they jumped into the segue from uh, Don't Let Me Down so quick, he didn't have a time to yeah, change it up. Yeah. yeah. So you hear this distorted guitar, which is excellent, right? Yeah. <laughs> Right now, that's when we get the guy coming in from across the street. He's like, "What's with all this noise?" Yeah, yeah, complaining. yeah. Debbie's, There's people on my roof. Debbie's Debbie's stalling again. Right? She's like, "I don't know anything about a camera crew or anything like that. I don't know what's." Clearly, about. they're right there. You yeah, can yeah. see them. Yeah. So get back, rocks. They finish that. John does his line. Uh, you know, uh, I'd like to say uh, thank you on behalf of the group, and I, I hope, hope we pass, pass the audition. audition right? Yeah, and that that's it, right? Yeah. They walk off. That's the last live performance from the Beatles. Yeah. Right. And they're they're on a high. They go down in they the go studio. Downstairs, they're listening to they're it. They're listening to it. This and they're just vibing, oh, yeah. just loving everything about it. They feel a, such a high. Yeah. And then what I what you told me earlier is that they actually came back the next day. Yeah. But then they cut pretty well, much the rest of the album. I was wondering too, like it would be nice to hear what they're actually saying in the in the studio. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. That's good, 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 but I, maybe there wasn't audio. It or was pretty obvious that they were like they you were could just anyway. seeing their faces, like yeah, and their foots this are tapping, is a and they're win. all smiling. We and... Nailed this. This is amazing. And I, is... I know how I feel after a good gig. Me too. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be able to go back down and listen, and to listen it, to it yeah. immediately, like, and, and they're pumped. They want to record, right? They were like, okay, let's finish the other songs now. But yeah. you know, the, all the gears up on the roof. You got to bring it. Down. Yeah, Kevin Harrington is going to take him like an hour to bring the gear because. It's like four floors or whatever. Yeah. Kind of, and there's only two roadies. It's yeah. Mal and Kevin, right? <laughs> Mal's dealing with the cops or whatever. So yeah. it's just Kevin bringing Tom Toms and guitar amps. And no shit. cases. No cases. <laughs> no nothing. Yeah. 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 No. So, the, yeah, just that, that moment where they're in the control room, just good vibes. They loving play, every back, moment they of play it. One after 909, and they're all rocking out. Yeah. It's so great, right? Yeah. And from a movie that people thought was such a downer, and this is you know, when the Beatles were breaking up, like, nah, man. They, yeah. There were, there were great moments yeah, during all yeah. this, right? Absolutely. So Absolutely. So then, yeah, so they decided to come back the next day, finish off the uh, the ones they didn't play, the piano stuff, Let It Be, Long and Winding Road, and Two of Us, right? And they make these uh, videos that people have probably seen over yeah. the years at that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it was like, and that's it. And then... Uh... And that's it, man. And then with these, the, the, the credits roll, and we see those kind of clips of them recording those three songs on the 31st. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, that's it, man. What a brilliant documentary. <laughs> what was Seven it? hours, 50 minutes. 22 days of recording or something, was it? Something like that. Day 22, yeah. Yeah, 22 weekends. days of actual recording to put out, to make that iconic. I mean, I have records I started recording in 2013. They're still sitting in a hard drive somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, you think about the amount of, how. I mean, it's not, you can't say because times were different back then. They just, they did something that just, completely tapped into what 
um, society wanted, what 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 yeah. people wanted, and it, it became this. It obviously this iconic record. Oh, it's the Beatles, man! You're talking about like the ten records they made or whatever. Every record sort of different. The progression. This record was always kind of a sore thumb because it. I didn't like the Phil Spector stuff. You know, like amongst the kind of later records. Like yeah. from Revolver forward, this would probably be one of my favorites because it's it's more raw, it's less overdose. Yeah, yeah. You know, although I don't like Let It Be and Long and Winding Road, I just can't stand those songs. <laughs> Once again, I'm biased against Paul and Paul McCartney impersonators. Yeah. But uh... <laughs> now here's a sidebar. Did you watch the um, Sound City doc with Paul McCartney? He played. Uh, he he wrote a song with. That's the other thing I fucking hate about Paul McCartney these days is his whole Dave Grohl association. Yeah, like, come on, man, fuck that Dave Grohl. He's trying to be relevant. Like, didn't he fucking start a band with him? What he did a record with those Nirvana guys, and he inducted them <laughs> in the Hall of Fame. Like, I yeah, I resent Paul for a lot of things these days, man. Yeah, yeah. wow, yeah. really? Yeah, I do. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like his band. His his pretty boy band with their smiles and their fancy clothes. And did you like the Ram album? No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't like Ram. I like uh, I like Flaming Pie, and yeah. I like uh, my favorite uh, McCartney album is Run Devil Run, where he did these kind of fifties rock and roll covers. That's yeah, fucking great. It's, you uh, like Band on the Run? You like yeah, the... I like I like it, but like in That's hindsight, record, I don't though. like it. Yeah, it's yeah, good, yeah. but I don't need to hear Band on the Run or fucking I don't know any whatever songs are on that song. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I I like Paul McCartney. You can't like he's one of those things. He's just so good, you can't deny it. But I don't like him. I don't like. He's him. my least favorite ever. I bet you, if you ran into him at a at a thing, you'd probably be like, "Yeah, give him his dues." You can't turn around and say, oh, "Hey, man, yeah. dude, you fucked over. You fucked up." <laughs> I, w- I would never say that. But yeah, no, I just I I, you know, I see. I love the early Beatles and the early Beatles. I like John more. Yeah, because he's kind of the leader the first you know four or five years. Yeah. The later years, John kind of you know flaked out, and Paul became the leader. And I didn't like all the ballads and the when I'm sixty four and all that stuff. And <laughs> his soft voice, like when he's trying to sing, he's got this soft voice. Whereas John had this raspy voice. Like I yeah. love all the covers. Like they're doing all these oldies, like Blue Suede Shoes and stuff like that. Like Paul can't sing that stuff. It's John Lennon. Yeah, rock, they do rock and roll music like. John just shredding his vocal cords on that. Well, there was actually a moment in the in the doc where he's singing the verse, the sort of the bridge in between. There's a love that lasts forever, and he just like nails yeah, it, yeah. like right there. Yeah, and it's right. for the film, you know what I mean? I'm watching John do that. I'm like, wow, he just fucking just hit that right there. Pretty There's cool, a Paul man. McCartney moment where he's playing in Quebec and it's for Canada Day or something, and uh, he's doing "Live and Let Die." And he fucked up the live and let die because what was supposed to happen when he did it was this huge fireworks display. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, live it. Whoa, shit. Boom. He completely ballsed up live and let die. And I'm like, you've played that song a couple of hundred thousand times. And he balls it up, and it's this moment of live TV, and it was for I think it was either much much music or something. Really? When he's doing "Living That Die," and he just and he knew the moment he did, it, he's like he knew he screwed it up because he came in too fast. He's very... I, see, that sounds endearing to me. Yeah, I actually like when musicians make mistakes. Yes, they show that they're human because yeah. I make mistakes too. Yeah, I, he's just he's just a guy. Like, he's just a dude. He's yeah. just a guy that writes songs. Like he's. Yeah, quite good at it, but he makes mistakes. Yeah, too. but to be in that's it, the thing that's great about this movie. Get back is that you see these guys in their vulnerable yeah. states. Yeah, and, and John, particularly in the third episode, you can tell him getting like, I don't know if I, you know, and you can tell he's having reluctance to like certain things, and you just like, he's he's second guessing himself as a, as a musician or as a as a person. 
yeah, that well, I've noticed. He, I think he feels intimidated by Paul. Paul's got all these great songs. I have two. One of them was from two years ago. Like, yeah. You know, like, yeah. That's the different thing. That, like, the interesting thing about the Beatles is that there's times in the lives where they had strong moments of writing great songs. You know, George ended up being later on. But, you know, I would argue that I Me, Mine, I Me, Me, Mine is, is a great song. Uh, you know, anything he wrote was kind of like you think when you watch this doc and then you listen to older songs of his songs on there, you're like, wow, that was a fight to get that song on there. It wasn't just because it was a George song. It was the fact that he was now fighting against Paul and John mm -hmm. to get like While My Guitar Gently Weeps, you know, to get that song in there, you know. Yeah. I loved also the fact that he was talking about Eric Clapton a lot. Yeah, when he quits, he's like, hey, you guys just get Eric Clapton. Put an put ad in NME. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just get Eric to do it. Yeah. And he's talking, he's praising his guitar solo techniques. like, something I can't do. I can't do that. That would be fucking awful if Eric Clapton... I know. Oh my God, he's doesn't even look like Eric Clapton when they show this one stock photo. I'm like, I don't look like Eric Clapton to me. Well, hey, that's I... It. Uh, that's it. Yeah, man, that was... That's a long one. Yeah, I hope uh, you've enjoyed our <laughs> look at Get Back, all of our moments. And there, we probably left out just as many that we spoke about that are Absolutely. so good. I, we're going to get on subsequent viewings, man. I can't wait to get this on Blu-ray and see all the extra stuff. I hope there's like, they have the, the three videos from the 31st yeah. like on, as bonus feature. Or actually the full rooftop concert without the split screen. Yes. Like I think he did that because the ratio was like... Uh, yeah, it was three. four to three. Yeah, so and they by, were dealing with a two to one aspect yeah, ratio. So by putting it like that, it's you don't want to cut up the frame by going to sixty nine. Yes, yes. And the split screen was good because you could show the multi things happening at simultaneously. And the thing that you say when you mention that, when I remember seeing like the teaser, I think like a year or two ago, it looked like it was in four by three when they showed the teaser. Yeah. And that to me was like that's brave, man, because you're taking. Well, that's what it was really originally shot in. Done in, yeah. It's all four or three because they for TV sizing, right? Yes. So when the I guess the concept of you would frame it, so you got to chop the top and the bottom it off. off. Yeah. Either the top and bottom or yeah, just the bottom. Just but the I thought when I saw, I remember maybe I have to go back and watch it on YouTube. But it was Peter Jackson talking about we've been working really hard because the pandemic we can't show it, but here's a teaser, and I could have sworn it was in four by three ratio. Aspect. Oh yeah, yeah. But maybe I just I just because that's what I thought was so cool about it. Like I'm gonna get to see this, even though I like the fact that it's four by three because it's the actual shot. It's the you full know? shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's you. not you're not cutting. Even though you cut the top, and the bottom out, and the things you have to do to keep it in widescreen and wide and sixteen by nine yeah. is a tough one because you have to do a lot of reframing. Mm -hmm. You know, sure, which yeah. isn't the actual thing. You know, maybe there'll be a you know a six disc version with like. <laughs> Four three ratio and yeah, a 60 yeah. <laughs> for the hardcore. Yeah, right? backwards and one for colorblind. Yeah. Just it's all in just like weird false colors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, yeah. I thanks for uh, you know the funny thing is I think we're both putting this out in our our, our perspective podcast. Yeah. And so I'll do my sign off. Like uh, it was a fucking blast doing this because to have the like-minded type of uh, person, whether or not we agree upon Paul McCartney's genius or not. Well, that's the thing. That's an interesting conversation, right? Yeah, we have that, the, the appreciation of something like this and how important it is in, in history, oh, yeah. you know, and we we really need to hang on to stuff like that. And I really wish, you know, like, and I, I appreciate that this was brought out to for people to view. And whoever says it was too long, you can go fuck yourself, because it wasn't. That's right. It's not made for them. Yeah. Yeah. Justin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, Simon. Great to talk to you, my friend. Yeah, good to talk to you, man, too. I love you, man. Take love it easy. Love you more.
that was Mr. Lee McCormick of the Tramps Like Us podcast. That's us doing the Get Back Recap podcast. So we're, we're recap. We recapped the whole thing, the whole eight hours of video. And it, let me tell you, what a piece of art. Loved every minute of it. So everybody, please make sure to subscribe to his podcast, the Tramps Like Us podcast. Don't forget to su- subscribe, rate, and review this show iTunes. Do it on iTunes. What else can I say? Go check out all the stuff, all the things, all the things we do. i got to keep this intro a little bit shorter because we're almost 106 minutes now. That's a long time. It's a lot of talking. So everybody, please enjoy this episode. And just go out and get Disney Plus and go watch Get Back. Don't download it illegally because this is art. Go, go watch it and enjoy it and absorb it. And whether or not you're a Beatles fan or not, just go do it as part of history. Okay? So until next week, I'm not sure if there's going to be one out next week, but we'll give it a try. Give it the old college try. And then we'll uh, we'll see you again, though. In the Every Monday, we try to put out episodes. And uh, I say we like we're a whole team of people. When it's just me looking into the corner of my, my basement. Everybody, enjoy your week. Enjoy. And Christmas is coming up. And don't forget to be nice to people. Okay? Okay. Bye.